0: Hello, and welcome back to Industry Town. I'm your host, Brian Norris, and this show is brought to you by John Rosenfeld Studios and Actor Salon. Uh, I hope all of you out there are staying healthy and not too stir-crazy. I got a fun two-parter for you this week. First up, we have a return guest to the pod. The one, the only, Leah McKendrick is back. Throughout quarantine, she kept getting asked about screenwriting. How does she do it? For those of you who don't know Leah, she does pretty much anything she sets her mind to. And you can hear all about that in episode two of Industry Town. But for this second stint, she approached me about facilitating her answer to those screenwriting questions, something that she titled Write the Damn Screenplay, and that's something she knows a lot about. Her first film, MFA, she got it made, it premiered at South By, it's now streaming on Amazon Prime, and now she is writing the prequel to Grease, Summer Lovin', and she has her own show set up at HBO Max. We recorded this on Instagram Live, which was a fun new thing for both of us, and I think it went really well. She has some awesome advice that is wildly on point. And I hope you enjoy and that you learn something or a couple somethings that will help you get your screenplay off the ground. Next up, I helped launch a really fun event series at John Rosenfeld Studios, and we're calling it JRS Happy Hour Conversations. Every week, John and I interview a really cool guest from the industry and We started with the wonderful and fantastic casting director, Amy Renee. We chatted all about life in quarantine, how we deal with uh, the ups and the downs, the feeling stuck. And we also get her insights into what the industry might look like after the pandemic. If you dig this conversation, please join us for more. They happen every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. on Zoom. They are free and there's time for audience Q&A. Our next one is with True Blood and Magic Mike star Joe Manganiello. You can check the show notes to register. Okay, enough chat, enough intro talk. Let's get to Leah, and about an hour in, you will hear our happy hour conversation with John and Amy Renee. Lock it up. Very quiet and still. Rolling. Ready. Scene one, take three, A mark.
1: So I'm excited to bring out Brian Norris, one of my closest friends, because he keeps me on track. He is one of the smartest people I know. He loves movie making. He is fascinating to me, and he finds humans fascinating. And he um, asks the questions that nobody else could get away with, and he um, forces me to go deeper, and so um, he also makes me comfy and doesn't scare me, so I was too scared to do it on my own. So, first one, we're going to bring Brian Norris out. Let's see, how do I get him on here? Do I have him? We're waiting for him. Hey!
0: I think it's happening.
1: It's happening! Look at you, you're killing it. Can everybody hear? We can hear, right?
0: I think everyone can hear. Give us some, uh...
1: Thumbs ups, thumbs ups. Okay, yeah. Thumbs ups. We're seeing hearts.
0: Yeah, oh, hearts everywhere. Look at that. Look at all this love.
1: Uh Uh-oh, Brett's on here. Can we kick him off?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of the trolls. Get rid of all the trolls.
1: What's up, guys? Oh, my God. Thank you so much. This is so sweet seeing all my friends. Um... So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for uh, asking me to be a part of this. You're the and best. Including Industry Town. And um, your
1: hair, your hair is looking glam as hell. You are killing this pandemic.
0: This is my quarantine game. This is it. I just have uh,
1: biotin. You never look better.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's a wonderful thing and terrible.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's the best thing. I'm trying to grow out my eyebrows. That's like my big task for the pandemic. The way that we're growing squash, I'm also working on, like, getting, like, some caterpillar brows.
2: Well, they, they
0: look on point. You know, I'm going to yeah. pull back the curtain a little bit. What also looks on point is your shirt. We were doing a little test beforehand, and her shirt broke. And so there was, like, an instant wardrobe change. There was a whole, is it all going to work?
1: It was embarrassing. And it was just Brian. It was already embarrassing. So
0: I thought it was the kind of vulnerability that we need to come like this. <laughs> Um, so should we should we talk about screenplays? I feel like that's uh that's why I we're guess. here, right?
1: I yeah. guess we kind of got people. We lured them in with the with the prospect of talking about screenwriting, so I guess we should probably yeah. go for it, huh?
0: We bring them in with a little bit of banter, and then we and then we cut to the chase.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's, well, let's cut One reason
0: I love talking to you in particular about writing is that you say really really smart stuff that does not sound like you. Like I have to go read eighteen giant textbooks on writing afterwards. There's something oh really God. practical about it. There's something straightforward. and I think it's a nice way to start for us if you tell people about how you became a writer because you didn't, you know, start by cracking open, you know, story by Robert McKee and go to a don't bunch of lectures, right?
1: Is. don't know what that is. Very uneducated. I love very it. unqualified. Really got my beats by Dre. Um, okay, so, you know, honestly, I-, I was an actress. I am an actress. I The dream was to be a pop star and did a little bit of that, wrote music. And then in college, I would write my own scenes for, for acting class and for screen class because I didn't like what they were wanting us to perform. And so I wanted to write my own shit. And from there, I wrote plays. And then I started writing and producing my own songs and music videos. Then from there, I I created a web series because I wanted to be on Glee and couldn't get on Glee, starred in that. And that from there, I started writing and producing and starring in short films. Then I made my feature film that went to South by and we sold that. And from there, I got my reps and started getting hired to write and sell and then started selling scripts. And then I got um, my dream job which I'm working on now, which is the prequel to Grease. The so musical. <laughs> woo! Woo! when they make movies now.
0: That's gonna be so exciting.
1: Remember that? That's gonna be, if we can actually get it made, that would be pretty dope. And so, I, and I'm also currently working on my first TV show, which is at HBO Max.
0: So when did you start feeling like you were a writer? Because it sounds I, like you've been doing it for a little while. You isn't know? it
1: so weird? I don't feel, it's so funny because I've never felt that I was a writer. It's like, you're so busy in your head going, I'm not a writer, I'm not a writer. M- make sure they don't, they don't figure this out. Make sure, you know, you feel like you're completely pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. And then at some point you're like, I mean, I guess I am writing. I guess well, I, I, am. Look at your,
0: I look at your IMDb and it says actress. And then right after that, there's this funny word where it says writer. And then I look at your filmography and here I see Summer Loving, writer, voicemails for Isabel, writer, Sherry and the Cancer Dancers, young Sherry, writer. I mean, it <laughs> seems like you might be a writer.
1: Isn't it? It's, you know, I see that and I go, she must be a writer. But still, there's this part of me that's like, no, that I'm going to be found out at some point that I'm really just an actress that was conning her way into roles.
0: Well, I gotta be honest, if you if you feel like you're conning your way from live explaining how how you do that, might like, be a...
1: somebody called me. Did you see what just happened? Somebody it called me. It blanked
0: out for a second.
1: Please, no one call me right now. I didn't realize that that was a thing.
0: <laughs> I like that if so- someone knows you well enough to call you right now, but doesn't know that you're doing this. I feel like you have a right to just put that person <gasps> in your They're like,
1: what's Leah doing? She's probably just growing brows. She's not doing anything important.
0: <laughs> getting that caterpillar look
1: no but I, I just saw a
0: little thing in the chat about this and I, and I do think it's such a lovely thing is everyone's got the imposter syndrome everyone has it even when you're writing the prequel to greece it doesn't matter you could be hired you could have an imdb full of credits Constantly. and the imposter syndrome is still real and i think that's oh, yeah. um i think that just kind of humanizes everybody at levels Aww. the playing field a bit.
1: i hope so i think if, if no if, if, if there's one takeaway from this i hope it's that people feel that they can totally do it, that it's not rocket science, that I never took a single class in screenwriting. I'm constantly, you know, having to Google how to format intercutting a phone call. I'm like, how do I do that again? (laughs) I don't remember. I don't remember. And then at a certain point, I just make it up. I'm like, this will work. This will work. And nobody calls me out on it. Nobody's ever like, Leah really doesn't know what she's doing, but let's hire her.
0: I love how simple that is. Other people, you know, I've talked to them, and it's like, well, which book do I need to read first? Do I need to start with Save the Cat and all this stuff? It's like, how about Google? How about just Google? Because that, <laughs> that know, works for I my friend you. Leah, and she's a fucking It writer. works
1: for me, man. It does. There's a, yeah. there's a wealth of knowledge out there, for sure. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, so I feel like the title of what you want to talk about today is The Big Secret. So should we just kind of cut to it and, and reveal yeah. the secret in your mind? <laughs> What's the secret?
1: reveal of oh, the secret to screenwriting yeah the single secret
0: the single secret i feel like you said that was the title of your of your of your presentation today what we're <laughs> yeah, talking about Yeah,
1: i mean i have a few but if i had to narrow it down to one this is kind of like what i was going to end on but i do feel like i should just come out with it which is the secret to writing is writing is sitting your ass down and putting your thoughts to the page i think a lot of people understand on some level that being like a piano genius requires a lot of practice and takes Mm -hmm. time. But everybody wants to be so good at screenwriting immediately. It's like if they write a scene and it's not great, they're like, well, forget this. I'm not a writer. (laughs) Forget it. Forget it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And the reality is nobody's first draft is, is Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin's first draft is not Aaron Sorkin. And I think that the, the key is just showing up, showing up, showing up to suck, to fall on your face and not judging yourself. This isn't brain surgery. You get to fuck up a lot. This isn't public speaking. Nobody's judging you. It's a weirdly formatted diary entry. Um, and so taking the preciousness out of it and just going for it.
0: You know, I already saw one thing on the chat about writer's block. Would you say that showing up to writing to sit down and just keep doing it and keep showing up that that's the key to writer's block.
1: <laughs> um, sometimes it is. Cause sometimes I think, y- you know what? It, it's like going to the gym. It's like, once I'm at the gym or once I'm like at dance class and I'm doing the thing, I'm fine. It's getting my, my gym clothes on. It's getting my sports bra on. It's getting in my car. It's like, you know, signing up and doing all of that, 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 that deters you. And, but once you're actually in it, a lot of times you realize, that you were just kind of psyching yourself out and, it, and the obstacles aren't there as much as you thought they were. But I think another thing is um, trusting yourself to find the answers. Sometimes I just, I really swear by, like, writing the shitty version. I love writing the shitty version. I pitch the shitty version all the time, like, to directors, to anybody. Imagine this,
0: but not as shitty. <laughs>
1: I love the shitty version because you're not selling them on on the shitty version. You're just selling them on your train of thought. You're like, this is the the energy. This is the vibe that I'm going for. I mean, it's like if if everybody was so afraid of sharing shitty versions, like nothing would get done. Like, I've got an idea. How about, okay, here's a shitty version. A guy that has scissors for hands. And everybody's like, not that shitty. Kind of into it.
0: That's actually a fun game, is coming up with the shit pitches for phenomenal movies.
1: <laughs> right? You do one. You do one, Bri.
0: Oh my god, okay. Um,
1: Pitch me Jurassic Park. Okay. Pitch me E.T. Pitch me E.T.
0: Okay, um, so there's like a little kid, and he uh, he's got an addiction to peanut butter candy, and his only <laughs> friend is an animatronic elf. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to work. You're better at this than I am. That's why I'm My interviewing, mind. and that's why you're pitching. See, there is a natural talent to this. There is a natural talent to this. <laughs> There's not. I'm that buy it that
1: check. Let's put it into development.
0: <laughs> do you do Venmo. Um, I do have a question, though, because you <laughs> talked about. Um, how like it's kind of like going to the gym and it's hard to get on the clothes and it's hard to get yourself to go there. Do you have like a ritual to get yourself to write, the equivalent to getting in your car and putting on all the clothes and getting the gym bag together?
1: Do you have that? Yeah, I mean, I'm a a creature of habit, which is part of why this pandemic has been so hard for me because it has completely destroyed my whole um, sense of my comfort and routine. Um, But I make sure I'm out of bed before 9.30 a.m. I make sure I'm in the car before 10. I go to my office, which is um, The Wing, the women's workspace. And I get my coffee. I get my headphones. I have my playlists for whatever script. Every script that I'm writing has its own playlist, whether it's songs that are like the dream songs for certain scenes, whether it's the songs that inspired it, whether it's just like when I'm writing my zombie movie, I I listen to like, I am legend twenty eight days later, you know um, the, score well, the scores, scores. Similar yeah. films yeah, sometimes it's actual songs, sometimes it's just the score. and I try to get in the vibe, and I don't let myself leave my office till like six p m if I don't have a meeting or seven p m and I break for lunch, I, I try to treat it like a real job you know because, because it is a real job. and if you start looking at cat videos and you you, you know you go and have lunch with your friend for two hours. Um, it's very hard for me to plug back in, you know, it is like, it it is like entering another world, you know, it sounds kind of douchey, but you know, my best work does not come when I'm texting my friends and I'm thinking about boys and I'm, you know, uh, saying what's up and going over and talk. I I really do keep my headphones on to to signal to everybody that I'm working.
0: Yeah. Show up for the work and tune out all the noise. Um, I think, God, there's some writer who was just talking about how like the greatest problem that people have with writing is not like talent or anything like that. It's just not being distracted. Totally. Like are you able to create an environment for yourself like you have at your office or can you do that in your apartment or at Starbucks? Uh, right. when you were allowed to go to Starbucks. And I oh
1: remember that. What is that again? Those were good times.
0: Yeah, I did I took them for granted apparently. Um <laughs>
1: So let's let's get into this a little bit. Um, Yeah.
0: You you want people to not say this phrase, I'm not a writer. You want to get rid of that. Why?
1: I want to get rid of it. I want to retire that sentence because you are a writer. We've all been writing since we were kids. We would write book reports. We would write poetry. We would write rhymes. We would write term papers in college and... All, we were always writing we have been writing even now in whatever job it is that you're doing i'll bet you you're doing some form of writing you're writing on instagram i know that you're drafting that i shooting. see
0: people I doing know. it right now
1: <laughs> i know y'all have a writer's room because i have a writer's room on <laughs> all of my texts when we when my friend is like having an issue with a dude like all of us are like okay we're like every single sentence we're like nope aggressive feels aggressive Kind with your words, ruthless with your actions is always my advice when texting a dude when he's been misbehaved.
0: Well, that's the um, next Facebook or Instagram <laughs> Live that we're going to do. It's just <laughs> me interviewing you on what it's like to be single. And-
1: I just, just want to draft like text messages to like misbehaved guys for a living. Like, work, Hire me to do that shit. But what was I saying? Oh, um, n- don't say that you're not a writer, because I feel like you're putting a nasty negative critic in your head before you've even gotten a chance to get going. You don't need critics in your head. Leave critics at the end of the process when you've already created the thing. You know? Don't start talking yourself out of being creative, because the, really all that writing is, is is your thoughts and your dreams to the page. Putting your thoughts and your dreams to the page. That's the only thing that separates me from anybody else is that I sit down and I write them down. That's all. I'm, I'm sure that there's people with way better ideas and probably a what much wider vocabulary and like much more capable than me. But I just continue to show up and put it on a page. So don't say. And not so, a what writer. if
0: somebody has that critic voice though? Is it is it fake it till you make it? Is it just start by saying, "Well, fuck it." Uh, this voice in my head says, "I'm not a writer. I am a writer. I am a writer. I am a writer. Am a writer. I'm just going to show up anyway." Is that just kind of head down, blinders on?
1: Well, I love what Elizabeth Gilbert says. I don't know if you've read her book, Big Magic, but-
0: I have assigned it to my acting classes, my actor oh, salon classes, reading it right now. I love that book. Read it's some Big Magic, and if you don't magic- want to read-
1: Elizabeth Gilbert, she's an actor.
0: The book is great, oh, she's oh yeah. So,
1: she's really the best. But what she says is like, when, you, when it comes to fear, you, you, have a, you talk to fear and you say, okay, listen, we're going on a road trip, but I am in the driver's seat you can sit with me, you can join me, because I know that you're just trying to protect me by telling me when I'm in danger. But I'm driving the car, you get to join in, but you don't get to touch the wheel, you don't get to tell me where to go, you don't get to give me directions. So that's how I feel. If you really can't beat that critic in your head, just tell your critic, hey, guess what? The movie's not done yet. I will let you judge this shit when the movie is done. Right now we are in the development phase. You're not an executive, you're not a producer, you're not paying my bills. So let me do my thing. Let me work my magic. And then you can tell me your opinions at once. It's ready.
0: Yeah. And if you can't shut that thing up for a while, then give it a timer. Be like, okay. Okay. You little shit. You get five minutes. You can yeah. like throw a tantrum. <laughs> yeah, you can no, break you everything. Doing? You can yeah. scream at me all you want. But when five totally. minutes are up, go back in the fucking corner and I've got to write. I've got to show up. I've got to do my work. Totally. And I think that's of any creative work. I mean, if that's just, you're having trouble getting yourself to work on your audition. You're having trouble getting yourself to show up for something that requires you to self-start and you got that critic voice, it's a quick way to get rid of it.
1: Totally. Give it space.
0: Um, So if those are the things that we're not doing, we're not saying I'm not a writer and we're not letting fear, what are we doing? Where do we start?
1: Okay, ready everybody? Here's my probably my biggest thing. It's it's the first thing and it's the last thing. It's the everything. It's my North Star on when I'm stuck, when I'm beginning, when I'm rereading, and that is tell the truth. And I have a, a quote that I love that really guides me and it's by Hemingway. And the, the quote is, all you have to do is write one true sentence. Write the truest sentence that you know.
0: I love that you just dropped some Hemingway in the middle of an Instagram Live. I mean, that, I can't get away with that. If I get away with that, people are like, oh, God, Norris, it is too much. Too much. <laughs> it, was
1: much. it was a little much. It was a little douchey, but it's the truth. I feel like it's you just, just did it. You just, just, I just And
0: then me. I called it out. I called it Zero out. Zero to
1: 90. Way to make me feel like an asshole, Brian Norris. We're actually dropping <laughs> him from this call. Thanks, Brian.
0: Hey, wait, 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 wait where'd she go? Wait, um, <laughs> Cool. 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 I'm just gonna keep talking. Um, no, keep going though. What does that, what does that mean though?
1: So, so what that means to me is what is something that I feel in my bones today? What is something that is making me cry? That is making me afraid of the outside world? What is something that I feel compelled to get out of my body because it's, it's affecting me so deeply. And what I do is I keep in my you know in the notes section of my phone, I just write down those things. I just write down random thoughts all the time. I don't judge them. I just I have this thought, and I'm going to write it down. And so I found this one. This is an example. I found this line that I remember asking myself, what is the truest sentence that I know? And this is what I wrote. I think it may be hard to love me. I don't know the series of events that had happened that day that led me to write that note. But I do remember feeling that way. And I do remember the, the, the person, the, the guy that I was involved with that that felt like a recurring theme of, of our relationship. And um, that single thought inspired a whole storyline and a character and a love affair in one of my scripts that I pitched and that I'm writing now that I sold the pitch and that I'm writing now. And it was just from this single line. And I don't think that you need to, it doesn't, it's not about the the, the the details at that point. It's just about writing something that you know to be true, that feels so organic and human. And it could be painful and it could be beautiful. Like right now, I think we could all come up with COVID examples. My COVID example is I miss feeling safe. What's yours, Bry?
0: I miss seeing my friends.
1: I miss seeing my friends. Like-
0: being able to touch them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it knocked over the whole camera. (laughs) It was that true of a thought, guys. It's a life shaker.
1: Yeah, Yeah. we were so into it. It was so true. It was so true. It It was so true
0: it was an earthquake.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I think we can all, like, we all have those lines. And I think it, it can be scary, even like my line, uh, or is it, I think, it may be hard to love me. That, that's embarrassing to say out loud. Even I'm, I don't think I said it out loud. I said it when I pitched it, but it wasn't me. I wasn't saying to the execs like, "This is about me feeling unloved or feeling that it, this insecurity that it may be hard to love me." Right? But I think it. I I I'm warmed up by that. I could write an entire series about that alone. And that's vulnerable
0: concept. too. It's really yeah. vulnerable. I mean, there's the truth is, you know, it's it's warm outside. I don't know if that's going to do a lot for you but that feeling that is a little squishy to share a little a little scary to actually just put the words but it's so it's true right to the core i think that's that's the stuff of movies and shorts and series oh my
1: yeah yeah and it can be a horror film it can be a comedy it could be uh, period drama that's it, not what it's about in the beginning for me personally for it's it's kind of like what are you trying to say what is it that you're what is the human experience that you want to communicate so that's my so first thing
0: if it's something if it's something that's true does that mean you should write what you know is that what that means
1: <laughs> very good question brian norris i
0: I got segues for you.
1: <laughs> You're killing the game right now. I do not necessarily. I think that, that the write what you know is commonly misinterpreted. And what I like to say is write what you feel. Write who you are. Because a lot of people, this, here's another great quote that my professor from college gave me. He was my acting professor. And it has stuck with me constantly through the years. He said, I don't care what you think. I care what you feel because we all have there. Every opinion exists in the world. We are not always going to agree on politics and Oh God, we're definitely never going to agree on really? <laughs> in, yeah. in this world, which is what makes the world beautiful, right? That we can disagree. And, and, but, but we can all relate to each other when it comes to being human and what it feels like to be embarrassed, what it feels like to be lonely, what it feels like to feel Um, unsafe like we were talking about and um, I understand deeply what it is to be single in my 30s I understand what it is to miss my sister I understand what deeply what it is to be a young woman in the music industry I could write 10 films and 10 series about the feeling of walking into a music studio it's smoky smells like pot everybody's high oh my God, I'm the only chick in the room. There's like seven dudes. It's 2 a.m. What am I wearing? Are they going to expect sex? Because I am not prepared for that. And, and all of the texture of what it is to experience that, because it's something that I felt deeply and I can switch out the descriptions. That doesn't need to be in the music industry. That could be in all kinds of places. But I think the reality is I understand what that feels like deeply. And I understand that firsthand. So So I I always tell people to, like, what is that, you know, it could be a dumb argument, an an awkward text message, a one-night stand, a nervous breakdown, a secret hiding place, a childhood memory. What is that thing that is so vivid in your mind emotionally that can translate to a million different times and places and people?
0: And you can use that as like an exercise too. If you don't feel like you know what movie you wanna write, which can seem like such an undertaking or, or a commitment, it can be like, Great, sit down for ten minutes and write about something that's true that you felt and see what you get. I guarantee you, you do that five, ten times, you will find a couple that you are excited to go deeper on. You will you'll start filling that out and you'll you'll be surprised where you end up.
1: Totally. Yeah. yeah. So what's uh what's number what's the next
0: one what's something else that we should be doing
1: so this one is commonly misinterpreted and i could get in a little trouble if i don't explain this properly <laughs> but i've thought a lot about how to explain this and the concept is steel 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 um good artists borrow great artists steal that is attributed to picasso to steve jobs we don't know who the fuck said it everybody so somebody else said it, but it's a very...
0: Olivia oh, McKendrick said it.
1: <laughs> I said it, all right?
0: She fucking said it. She's I, I willing to admit it.
1: it I said it first.
0: Well, ironically, so, you're you're stealing it, and you're not apologizing just, for it. Um, can I actually... There's something about the word steal that I, I kind of love, which is the actual definition of steal, because I've asked this from people before, and they say, I say, like, what, do, what, is it, what does it really mean? Like, what do you think the definition is? And almost always they say it's, like, to take something that, that's not mm, yours. Mm-hmm. And that that's, like, most of it. But that's not the entire thing. It's take something that doesn't belong to you with no intention of returning it. Mm. And when it comes to stealing art, I think that that really changes the game. Because it's not like, oh, I really like this thing that Philip Seymour Hoffman did. I'm going to, like, I'm just going to try it, try it out. No, 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 I'm going to... He's not using it anymore. I'm going to make it mine now. Right. Like this is yes. and that intention is like running through the finish line of really integrating that idea.
1: Integrating. That's, really, that's yeah. the key term, integrating, right? It's mm. it's it's not being a cheap imitation. It's not it's not copying. It is taking, owning, entering it into your limbic system, recontextualizing it putting it back out with you rubbed all over it in its DNA and hopefully elevating it. You know, that's the hope is that you are educating yourself on movies and art and you're, and you're listening when people are talking and you're paying attention to shit that upsets you or shit that you love and you're writing it down and you're taking note of what speaks to you out in the world and, the example that I have is I was, like, going through, I think, a dark time. I I was living alone. It was very lonely, and I used to watch, like, YouTube dance videos all night until I could fall asleep. <laughs> because I just love the L.A. dancers. Like, the professional dancers of L.A. are, like, eternally, eternally inspirational to me. They're just, like, they're so, like confident and powerful and sexy and like they work so well together and they cheer each other on. And I just would like watch them and cry like until I would fall asleep. <laughs> and I remember um I knew I wanted to write a-, a film about the breakup that I had just experienced. I had been with somebody for many years Um and I knew that I, that I wanted to write about it, but I, I didn't think I-, I really had the story yet. And I saw this dance video by, Janelle Ginestra, this incredible choreographer that I love, and it was just like at a convention, it was her and this younger guy and they did this incredible partner dance that was like so emotional and vulnerable and powerful and badass and I remember just like bawling and I was like, I'm going to steal that, and I didn't steal the choreography, I didn't steal you know, the music I just stole what I felt, which was I loved the dynamic of this young guy and this um, incredible, powerful woman. And so I wrote a film and a character about a young guy who's a choreographer. And there's a scene where they have this partner dance and she has this breakdown because it's the being touched like that by somebody and the amount of trust that that requires and how emotional and vulnerable that is. I want people, I wanted to steal the feeling that I had and give it to my own audience. And it inspired like this entire character and, and, and much of my film. Um, so that's an example of, you know, and, and if I could, I would hire Janelle Janestra to to be our choreographer on that film. We'll see if that happens, but it's not about stealing anybody's work, but, hopefully being inspired by what their art made you feel and, and taking that and making it your own.
0: Well, and that means it goes through the the filter of your authenticity and your truth. So often, you know, my medium is, is much more working with actors rather than writers, but so often people like, I don't want to do something that feels like an archetype or a stereotype. Sure. It's, It's only a stereotype if you do it the way someone else did it. Right. But like, the world is full of archetypes. The world is full of paradigms. We're all in a bunch of them. But your expression of it has never happened before. That one's yours. And if you can figure out how to tap into that, I think stealing goes from theft into an honest form of expression meets homage meets authenticity. And then you're just building on the shoulders of the people who you admire and what, you know. Copying is the sincerest form of flattery, right? It
1: is. I'm constantly referencing everything in my, I'm always like, I really do like to reference Mark Wahlberg, which is is really, (laughs) I love to reference him. He's like in every one of my scripts. It's usually like kind of shitting on him a little bit, which is funny because I'm such a big fan of his, which is a random thing because I'm such a like feminist filmmaker, but I love Mark Wahlberg. But to me, he's just got this like, He's very specific. He makes these, like, dude movies. He was, like, Marky Mark in underwear, and now he's a movie star. It's kind of fun to make fun of Mark Well, Walberg. he's gone from
0: music to acting, just like you have. I feel I like, mean, really, you're the female Mark Wahlberg, is what, where this I is going now. I might
1: the female Mark Wahlberg.
0: Yeah, I, clearly.
1: I might be. Yeah. Well, I do, I do reference him constantly, because I'm such a big fan, and because I am him.
0: What's funny, too, is when you think about a lot of the, the writers who are considered really original, they're, they're all the ones who actually are, are constantly stealing. And, and like, Quentin Tarantino, all of everything that makes him original is how deep his lexicon of knowledge is and right. how, how right. specifically chosen and articulated those references are when he uses them. Like, that's what makes that so original totally. rather than like, I just sat in a room and came up with something that has never been thought of before, which guess what, it's, it's probably not gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's shamelessly, he shamelessly steals, but it's not stealing because it's he Tarantinoizes it, you know. Yeah, it goes through him. Hmm.
0: So, uh, so, okay, we're not saying that we're not a writer. We are yeah. telling deep, authentic truths that are much more about how we feel than about like exactly what my life is. Yeah. We are stealing with love and, uh, and and ambition from people who really really inspire us yes and now what are we gonna do are we just gonna like sit down and be really good students and just type that shit out what happens next
1: no we're gonna get weird
0: I love that. we're one. gonna
1: get weird
0: let's get weird
1: let's get weird together and here's my quote you ready i'm gonna be douchey again it's robert frost oh my god buckle up, buckle up right this is one of my favorites, and this like haunts me. Like it haunts me when I'm writing, and I'm like, fuck you, Robert Frost. Here we go. No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. No surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. So, damn. What that means to me is if I'm phoning it in, they know. There's no hiding. There's no hiding. I know that, that it's good when I'm writing something and I'm laughing, I'm giggling to myself or I'm crying a little to myself. Or if I reread something that I wrote and I was just like writing the shitty version because I was like, this sucks, today sucks, I'm sucking, everything sucks. And then I reread it like the next day or a couple days later and it kind of went in this weird, and I'm like, whoa, I didn't, that's a weird instinct that you followed there, Mac. So my big thing is get weirder, go further, be braver. Being human is, is a mess. We're laughing and then we're crying and then we're laughing. And everybody's always trying to, to keep characters like consistent. And I'm like, being human is not consistent. Being Leah McKendrick is not consistent. <laughs> I'm constantly, constantly oscillating between being my best self and my worst self. Living my best life and my worst life especially during this pandemic. It's like some days I get up early, I work out. I'm like, I feel really positive. I'm giving advice to my sister and my parents. I'm like, you know, we got you. And then I'm like drunk on the floor at like 3 p.m. Like (laughs) that's what it is to be human. And that's what I want your writing to reflect that, that it's a mess to be human and that, and that things don't go as planned. And the best stuff that I see that my favorite films are, they go in these weird directions and one of my favorite films was was three billboards did you see that movie
0: oh yeah absolutely oh,
1: i was watching it on a martin plane mcdonough
0: and- talk that about a hell right jesus
1: i hate him so much i was i've never been so jealous as when i was watching that movie on the plane i was like i was have the you the of-
0: his plays too
1: i have not are his plays amazing
0: oh my god yeah i'm gonna lend you some the next time i'm actually allowed to see you in person people I just was- send you some
1: was so he annoys me because he like effortless i'm laughing and then i'm kind of offended and then i'm crying and i'm hating these characters but i'm kind of like loving these characters and it's just like and somebody wrote it's a roller coaster was that going it is a fucking roller coaster isn't life a roller coaster and i feel like here's the example that i'm going to use of um my own work when that happened I, in my film, MFA, which is on Amazon Prime, free, streaming free.
0: Amazon Prime. <laughs> um,
1: I, in, this, in the film, she has a crush on a dude. She's getting, like, advice from her roommate, played by me. And her roommate's like, after the party, you should bring him over for a midnight swim in our pool. That's my move. So She goes to the party, and he rapes her, like, violently, terrible. And she comes back, and in the original script, she gets in her shower because she feels so dirty, and she wants to clean off the the ugliness, the shame, and she crumbles. And my incredible director, Natalia Letta, who I don't know if she's on here, but Nat is like the shit, she gave me a note, and she goes, her world just turned upside down And we've seen that scene. We've seen the girl get heartbroken or raped or whatever it is, abused, and she gets in the shower and she crumbles in the shower because we all know that the shower is like a safe place for us, right? What's the weirder version of that when your whole world has been blown up and you're not yourself? And I kind of went, okay, what if she just, like, got in the pool, like, with all of her clothes on, like, boots on? Because she's looking at the pool and she's like, there was a realm where this went very differently and he, we were, and we came back and, and I can't believe I thought there was going to be a midnight swim. Like, and she just gets in the pool for her own midnight. swim. she's like screaming underwater. And it's actually one of my favorite scenes in the film because it's very visual. It's very haunting. And, uh, obviously we had to get the gear to have like an underwater, you know, bring the camera underwater. And can you imagine if I just done it in the fucking shower? How whack would that have been?
0: <laughs> can I ask you, when that idea came to you, what did it feel like? Doubt. Doubt. Can you, can you tell me more about that and how you go from doubt to to it being one of the best scenes in your film? That you I remember, can stream on Amazon Prime for free.
1: Remember how we were talking about how, like, pitching the bad idea, it's like, it's scary because you're like, everybody's going to judge me on this bad idea. Um, and I think I remember pitching it to Nat and being like, that's dumb, right? That's dumb But she gets in the pool, that's dumb. But Nat didn't think it was dumb. And luckily, so I went in that direction. But I think the truth is even in the three or four years or whatever since I wrote that film, I've gotten good at trusting even my bad decisions, even my bad pitches. I just, I don't worry so much about them, how I'm gonna look because I know that if you have a starting point, you can get better. You can continue to build from that. So. But I do remember the honest truth is when I initially thought of it, I was like, "That's stupid, right? That's so fucking stupid." But-, but
0: the thing I like about that so much is you felt something. Like to me, that's always what we should be chasing, and it's it's anything but the thing that's like, Ooh, this sounds like a good idea in my brain." Chase doubt, chase giggles, chase that moment. Of, Ooh, you know th- those feelings that feel like something has happened for better or for worse. That's something that you're actually having an honest goddamn reaction to, an authentic an impulse about, yeah, that's, that's worth exploring. And yeah. not every single one of those is gonna be a winner, but they're all based in something true, which is how to, you know, go back to your very, very, very first thing of tell me something true.
1: Tell the truth, yeah. Yes.
0: Um, so how can we get weird in terms of like, that's like a scene example, but can we like look at that from a larger perspective? Can we look at that in terms of like the overall genre? Can we look at that from a wider lens?
1: So a huge thing for me, and this is kind of one of my little tricks, which I don't think it's me reinventing the wheel. I'm sure that all of the great screenwriters have already taught classes about it, but um, hybridizing genres, right? Some some examples, Joker, Get Out, Parasite. What the fuck was Parasite? What did we watch when we watched Parasite? Every
0: single genre done one (laughs) after another. another. God
1: damn it. God damn it, that guy. He's incredible. But I think... What if, what if the, the suits had been like, okay, this is a mess, pick a lane. The, the tone, oh, you know what they would have said? The tone is inconsistent. That's what the suits say. Yeah, right? you're damn right. <laughs> and it is, and that's what makes it great, and that's what, 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 what is surprising about it. It's like, and now we're in a horror film. Wait, what is happening? And, and I think that, that that's where artistry and excitement and, and art happens and surprise happens and so a couple examples in my own work it's so weird to reference your own work because it makes it seem like I think I'm like scorsese or something it's not it's that so I think
0: funny it's like, people always say that but that's it's vulnerable it's vulnerable to be like here's what here's my work here's my version of what this looks like i hope you learn something or i hope you enjoy it like that is that's that's leadership and leadership like that is i find that deeply vulnerable and very very brave not egotistical okay. and shitty
1: i'm just trying to reference it in a way that i that that i can show you how i executed it and and because i don't know how Bong Joon-ho, did I say his name right? Mm-hmm. I'm so embarrassed that I say it wrong. If Bong Joon-ho executed that. So I, I could only speak from my own experience, yeah, but, yours. <laughs> but- um, I like to find the dark in the light and the light in the dark. So for example, I did a disaster trailer, um, like modeled after disaster films, like, you know, whatever, World War Z did. Deep,
0: Deep Impact and Deep impact. Volcano. Deep and-
1: yes. And it was just about L.A. when it rains. So we, we took this very that. mundane, you know, occurrence um, that is not unnatural. And we, we blew it up and, and made it hyperdramatic and found the darkness in that. And it, obviously it was to be funny and dumb, right? Um, and then the opposite of that is my TV show on HBO Max is a comedy about a true event um, of suicide. And if it had just been a straight drama, that's very heavy, that's very dark. I don't know that I want to tune into that every week. Um, but finding the humor in having to pick yourself up when somebody so close to you has left with no note, um, and finding the humor in something that we're all uncomfortable laughing about is, I think, finding some empathy and and exploring the human experience. Because how many times have we been laughing when something is very serious and when we should not be laughing because we're uncomfortable? Or I remember remember us being late to my grandpa's funeral and my mom's freaking out. She's like, we're late, everybody get your shit. We have to go. Um, And my brother going papa don doesn't mind if we're late yeah. like papa doesn't care if we're not there on time <laughs> just being an asshole we're all this like, <laughs> is being douches but i think the reality is we're trying so hard to keep it together and to not cry and laugh laughing can be sort of healing it's the most human thing
0: it's embrace those the the antitheticals in your feeling kind of that they can be true at the same time. I I absolutely think that makes it more interesting. If you write something and you think, oh, I don't know if I should put that out there, that's it, that's the best idea. That's the one, go with that one.
1: Right,
0: right. Um, Talk to me about writing a bad version.
1: Oh my God, I feel so strongly about the bad version. Have I told you guys to write the bad version enough? Because you need to be writing the bad version. I think for me, okay, here's the quote, you ready? Don't get it right, get it written. Ooh. Who said that? Art Arthur. I don't know who that is, but he's like a filmmaker from like the forties. Um, that
0: I'm one, that sure. one's just like obscure. That one just gives you film cred. <laughs> Where Hemingway, it's like, whoa, whoa, McKendrick. Me, like, this is like, oh no, no, no. She's she's plucking from the obscure here.
1: <laughs> it would be cooler if I knew who the fuck he was. I'm like re- yeah, referencing Don't get random. it right. Don't get, get it right. Ri- get
0: it written. <laughs> That's like, just, that's so close to one that I say all the time. I mean, I didn't fucking create it, but uh, don't don't let perfect be the enemy of progress. So <laughs> like, oh, it's just, it's not ready yet. It's not, well, it's never going to be fucking ready. It's not going to ever be fucking perfect. How about be the one that gets totally. it done?
1: Totally. And I think the reality is you can't edit something. You can't edit a blank page. And... I think so many people, they get hot for an idea and they sit down and they write the first five pages or the first 10 pages and then they hit a roadblock and they don't know where to go. And they're like, this is too hard. I can't believe there was a moment in time where I thought I could be a screenwriter. And they set it down and it gathers dust and that was their attempt at screenwriting. And I think that is death. That is death to the soul. That is death to everything because you... You only wrote the part that you had in your head, and the best stuff is when it starts to veer off into unknown territory. That's where shit gets real, and that's where shit gets interesting. Um, so I just say you have to write the bad version of something. If you know that it needs to be a, an argument between the couple, fine. Um, Jared, fuck you, Jared. I hate you. Fuck you, Melissa. You suck. La, 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 la. Moving on. Move on to the next scene. Because the reality is if you stop and you let yourself face the obstacle if you're staring at the obstacle for too long the voices creep in those critics creep into your head and they start convincing you that your your scene sucks your script sucks that you suck that you can't write and so it's sort of about it's like a race against the clock with these these demons in your head so i think just keep moving forward don't let yourself get stuck write the shitty version and keep moving forward do
0: you think melissa and jared ever got their shit together I root for those two. I root for those is two. He, nope. I started- agree with you, Ryan Garcia. Nobody likes a Jared. I'm sorry <laughs> if there are any Jareds watching right
1: now. Ryan would comment on that. Yes, say no yeah. to the voices. Thanks, Sarah. Say no to yeah. the voices. Preach.
0: Yeah. Um, should I, you know, a lot of people say, like, pay attention to what is out there right now. I've heard that. no. Advice a lot that like well, I've heard that there's a whole bunch of you know thrillers starring uh, women right now. Like that's uh, every lifetime movie is based on that. So so should I write that? Um, in, in case anyone's going to hear this on the podcast later, she just made a a, a, a crass gesture as a response to that. Just maybe i um, go with it. Or or maybe you like that gesture or you like that idea so much that you were treating it with kindness. I you know let's go forward on this. Two hands, two hands, okay.
1: Um, I'm gonna stop with this.
2: It's like you
0: it's turned into like maracas. It turned into a little bit like um, the mask Cuban Pete.
2: Oh my God, the mask. the mask is the best.
0: It's been a long time, but it's still, it's right there. So should we care about what's selling? Should we care about what the market is right now? Is that how I should pick my idea and and write?
1: Look. Here, again, I can only advise you on what I believe and what my experience has been. And I think that you have to have a North Star, and I don't think the business can be your North Star because it's a a moving target. You're chasing a moving target. It's like, you know, they're like, you know, vampires aren't hot right now. But by the time you would have finished a vampire script, if it was dope, vampires would have been hot again. Do you know what I mean? I think you've got to write what speaks to you and kind of tune that shit out for a minute, because the business is always changing. The business is constantly changing. And even, you know, it's funny because it's like, they always love to tell you when I say they, I'm talking about agents and execs and, and not mine. Love my peeps. But I have had the experience that people were like, don't write that. That's a waste of your time because there's a competing project. Don't do that because, well, where's that competing project three years later, y'all? Did that movie ever get made? Cause it didn't. And thank God I wrote that script because if I listened to you, I would not have written that script because you guys tried to deter me with a Netflix competing project that never got, never happened. So I think the reality is you write what speaks to you. And my, my close friend, ex-boyfriend mentor, he used to give me the best advice, which was great scripts get made. That's what it comes down to. Great scripts get made. And it might not happen tomorrow. It might take a minute. It might need some cool attachments. It might not be a $20 million budget. It might be a $1 million budget, like whatever. But I think your North Star needs to be your own truth and your own story and what you're hot for and tune out whatever business BS is happening.
0: I love all these principles because none of them are that your inciting incident happens on page 16. None of them are that your formatting has to be super perfect right off the bat. <laughs> these are these are organic these are these are really about how to get in touch with a certain part of humanity and what part of you should be creating the arts and what parts uh are going to like lead the way for you rather than like a very clear prescription i mean i think a lot of people have read save the cat and i think it has a lot of really helpful advice for someone just kind of trying to get their feet wet which is useful but it also leads to overly formatted uh rigid structure that is inherently uncreative and doesn't allow you to get it wrong for a little while or find your own creative way in there and i think people look you need a little bit of help with structure those things can be useful for you but that's not the answer what you're talking about is the answer and it still means that you have got to show up to that desk and that computer and and figure some shit out yourself like this is not going to answer it all for you but it is going to tell you the right places to look and what
1: to build from I mean I I, totally I, I have no I knew a writer that was like a much better formatter than me He, like, really, he had a very wide vocabulary. (laughs) Much wider than me. And he was very intimidating to me. I think he went to, like, Harvard or some shit. What a douche. And I was very... He
0: might start quoting Hemingway or something.
1: like he was always quoting Hemingway and Robert Frost. What a dick. (laughs) I just quote myself. (laughs) But... He he was very impressive to me in the way, and I always would read his shit and go, I really don't know what I'm doing because his stuff is like very, really explains a lot of stuff and he really sets the scene and there's a lot of like big words in here. But what I realized was like everybody's got their own style and I think a lot of people get deterred by those kinds of scripts, like the Aaron Sorkin scripts and their, or like the the books that are like less elementary than save the cat save the cat's are very easy to understand but they but they think that the formatting of a script and the and the and the outlining of a script is like it's like a secret that only people that are doing it professionally know like only we actually know how to do it and you only actually learned how to do it in college and and there's like all these these hidden mysteries about it and and what i've learned is like there's not it's you're just trying to set the scene for the reader whatever Whatever gets the point across, you know what time of day it is. Like that's all we're trying to. We're just trying to explain the scene. Um, wait, did, did you ask me a question that I'm not answering?
0: I feel like you did answer it. I'm gonna interrupt for like two seconds though, because making her Instagram debut is Hazy Norris. Hazy.
1: Hello, <laughs> this is our quarantine
0: buddy, and she I just found um all icons. Oh my god, I just
1: what a I just cutie. Think,
0: she just needed a moment. She just wanted to, you know, be involved. She She's to say, your
1: Hi. development exec.
0: She is. She is. It's <laughs> it's great lit. You know, honey. no, yeah. She doesn't just, lie about. Just
1: it. like my execs, so I'm but, <laughs> Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, no, I think you know we're. So we wanted to keep this to about an hour, and I feel like we've hit a lot of the, the big points you wanted to hit. Do we, yeah. we want to do a little what? bit of Q&A? Uh, I want to ask you one to kind of get this started, and then we can both kind of keep an eye on the chat and see and see what's there and see if we want to you know, pick and choose from there. But I want to ask you one right off the bat, which is, um, how much writing do you do where, oh my goodness. <laughs> I had to do My it. question's gone. It really I have no questions. There. I just have a <laughs> mushy heart now.
1: <laughs> okay, you that's it. That. She's a
0: sweetie. Um, no, my question is: How much do you start writing uh, in proper formatting? Like when you are going to write a scene for the first time, do you start interior slug line action line, or are you writing initially like it's prose or like a like word vomit? What does the first thing look like? And uh, anyone else who's watching right now, uh, if you want to throw out some questions, we'll try to we'll try to snag a couple of them.
1: Usually, I just go. I'm like about to fall asleep and it comes to me and I go and I grab my phone and I like half asleep, write the, the the string of dialogue, just the dialogue that I was thinking and then I'll fall back asleep. Like, yeah, that's usually how it happens. I'm just, I thought of this like good comeback to this, like douchey comment from a scene? And then I'll write that down. And then from there, I've gotten pretty good at slugging and, and now I can just kind of, it doesn't distract me or like affect me to just do that. But, I think whatever works for you. I think if it, if it helps you to put it in format, then do that. But if, if it's poetry, then write it as fucking poetry. Everybody's got a different process. Nothing is wrong.
0: I know so many people start by trying to write it correctly. And I feel like that's one of the quickest ways to not be creative. And it forgets that like a screenplay is not like a, it's not a prose document. It's actually like a manual for how to make this movie with subtle instructions to a number of different production departments. And that that is it's a it's an expression of that story, but it's not the true. It's not the most uh, direct expression of it, and it might take a little bit to get there. Um, yeah. I saw somebody asking a little bit about like, uh, do you have any? What's your process on revising?
1: I love to revise. Not as fun revising when you're receiving notes from somebody else. <laughs> if, it, if you agree with them, that's fun. But when it's just me and it's still internal. Um, I love to revise because I get to go back and read stuff and just make shit funnier or quicker or cut out the fat. Start the scene halfway in, you know. It doesn't need to begin with the entering of the room. It can begin when the meat of the scene begins. I love adding little quirks to people's characters. You know, maybe this person is a germaphobe. Maybe this person... um, keeps keeps saying the same shit, like kind of repeats themselves a lot. You know, I, I, I like to go back and like find those colors. Revising is like magical. I, I encourage everybody to like love revising a little bit because you're taking your heap of shit and you're starting to, to turn it to gold. And it, you start to see the shape and you start to laugh and you start to like find the lovable aspects of your script that weren't there before.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great answer. It also helps with the fact that you're saying, like don't worry about being perfect or precious from the get-go. Because if you really trust in revising and you enjoy revising, then that part of it becomes fun and is an opportunity to fix whatever might have been nagging you from that first one. Um, We got a lot of people asking you about building characters. And I I want you to talk about your process of building characters. And I also noticed somebody wrote, how do you feel comfortable writing a character of a different race um, that you might not be? And I'm curious, of a different race. Than oh, you a are. different
1: race. Oh, that's a good question.
0: Yeah, so can really you talk, talk a little bit about characters in general, and then also writing something that maybe is not your experience, and how do you feel like you have the permission to do that without, you know, offending anyone or feeling like you're relying on cliches or something?
1: Sure. Um, one of my scripts um, is in 1959, and it's it. There's a big racial element to it, and. Um, you know this is pre the civil rights movement this is uh this is sticky stuff right so i asked my friend who i love deeply and he's black to hook me up with his grandma who was alive in 1959 and black in the south you know and so understood understood that time period and she hopped on the phone with me and she really couldn't have been more helpful and lovelier to me. And I I ran some of my ideas by her to to just get her input and see what she thought and see if it it resonated and see if it felt real. And I think the more you ask, I, I, you know, I minored in sociology in college and I love to interview people and I love learning about what it is to be, other people with unique experiences, and I think if you approach it like that like a sociologist gathering Intel and being curious about people's lives so that you can portray them in a in a nuanced you know beautiful um, way that doesn't feel like making them into a caricature I think that can only come from educating yourself and 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 venturing out I think some people are so afraid to write. Latino characters or Asian characters, Asian American characters, black characters that they just don't because they're afraid of, to offend. And that's the worst thing you can do, right? The worst thing you can do is, is, not, is not venture into having a wide range of diversity in your scripts. So I think when people are like, talking about building characters, I think it's important to, to, to study other people and to put, put your family and your friends in your scripts because it, you're going to do it with love.
0: You know, I want to add to that though, because I asked you a version of that when I had you on the podcast, you know, months and months ago. We were episode number two, which you were awesome on that, by the way. So thank you again for that. But I asked you uh, about that specifically with MFA, and you were like
1: Two minutes. Two minutes.
0: But you literally said there, you said, I didn't know anything about how police stations worked. But rather than like stop writing to go figure it out, you wrote a draft, it hit the things you wanted it to hit, it was good enough to be a placeholder, and then you went back and you learned the shit later, and you gave yeah. yourself that permission to do that. And I think that that's a really important step of that. And I, I, don't, wanna, I don't wanna miss that. Thank um, you. I saw another question that I thought was really good, which is about getting notes. And how do you do that collaboratively? Oh, how do you keep your voice during that? And how do you maybe advocate for yourself creatively without seeming difficult?
1: I think it's pick your battles, man. Really pick your battles. And my producers and my execs, they really do work with me because I can get a little protective, um, especially when it's something that I loved when I thought of and I put a lot of you know, research and thought and and care into. Um, It can be hard because you feel like your babies are getting killed in front of you. And at a certain point, you're like, this isn't about money. This is about art. And you have these moments. And I think what I have learned is to go, I didn't actually have a problem with all of those notes. I actually had a problem with one note, one overarching note. And if I just fight for this one thing, it's going to make me feel better about everything else. So I think it's about trying to be less precious and see the possibilities, try not to respond emotionally in- initially, just like chill out don't be so defensive and, and-, and just marinate before you before you go into battle. But we have 20 seconds. So I wanted to say, Brian, thank you so much. I hope oh, everybody learned something from today. If you guys want more shit, like let us know. We can do Please. more of these and talk about outlining and all the questions that we didn't get to.
0: Okay, thank you, Leah, for all of that awesome wisdom and insight. Uh, We're about to get to happy hour with Amy Renee. But before that, first, please check out Feed the Frontline Los Angeles, put on by the World Health Kitchen. You just go to WCK.org to donate. They feed hospital workers in ICU and ER units in Los Angeles, where they are delivering thousands of meals daily to those on the front lines of this crisis. Uh, If you're listening and you're not in L.A., they have something for your city, too. So again, just check out WCK.org to donate. Okay, now here's my happy hour conversation with John Rosenfeld and Amy Renee. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our first JRS Online Happy Hour Conversations. Uh, I'm Brian Norris from JRS, and I'm really excited to introduce today's event and share this time with you. Uh, First, I want to welcome and acknowledge everyone for spending this time with us, our JRS family, our actor Salon family, and uh, a bunch of actors from all over the country that we're meeting for the first time. We are so happy you're here for happy hour. we know that these times are, are, are difficult and they're affecting artists everywhere, but hopefully with a little bit of uh, community and connection, we can make today a little better. Um, today's guest is the one and only Amy Renee. She is the founder of Amy Renee Casting and an Ardiós-nominated casting director who has done everything from television to new media to feature films premiering at festivals like Sundance and South, uh, and South By, Today, John and I are going to talk to Amy about her experience in the industry right now and hear about her personal experiences as well. Um, At some point, we're going to start taking questions from you, so please uh, use the Q&A and chat function to submit questions our way throughout the hour, and we'll start peppering them in throughout. And uh, with that said, I am thrilled to uh, turn the conversation over and introduce Amy and John. Hi. (laughs) Hello, hello. There you guys are. I see you both. John, hey. I want to take it away?
3: Hi. Um, Hi. I, I I had called Amy earlier, and she was afraid that she got the time wrong, and she was painting. The <laughs> to it, so
2: I'm glad. I'm I'm clothes. I have pants on too. Uh,
3: yeah, that would have been a a, a great introduction.
2: Um,
3: I I'm uh, for those. Uh, who don't know i've known amy for so many years so thank you so much for doing this this is our first one so you're 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 kicking us off so i appreciate it
2: all right i'm ready let's do this um
3: so what i want to say is you know uh you know the reason we're doing this is uh obviously people have a lot of time on their hands and and i think that the more uh you know the more information we can provide uh i just think it serves the community uh But also to just demystify this experience for everybody, you know, Uh, as you you know, we're all going through this. And I know for me, you know, like in teaching acting, you know, it's so much about getting into your imagination and when it comes to career, it's about having a strong intention of where you want to go and being able to visualize where, where you want to be a few months from now or a year from now or years from now. And I know that's been one of the hard things for me in my life right now is, is how do we have a, strong image of where we're going to be. So, you know, having you here, um, I'm just so curious about what your experience is like in the present moment.
2: Um, Well, you know, I I think like everybody, it's, terrifying one second and then the next second it's like oh shit i don't have anything to do i can actually binge watch an entire season of something um so it's trying to find that balance a little bit i mean the first week or two into it i was doing all the things i was updating my resume i was updating my website i was you know doing like i literally went through all of my session sheets and scanned them and digitized them and virgoed out in my office um and now, you know, after a couple of weeks into it, it's it's also just kind of, A, knowing that at some point we're going to need to make new material because there's only so many times you can watch, you know, Ozark season three or Tiger King um, before new stuff needs to be produced. So I do kind of feel like there we will be needed. And so why not take this time to kind of like stuff around the house or or just try to stay mentally um positive whether that's just walking my dogs around the neighborhood or whatever same thing I feel like everyone's kind of going through at the end of the day I'm a freelancer just like actors are so that you know there isn't this like I'm not going back to a studio job I'm still going to go back to hopefully all of the projects that we were supposed to be shooting in the summer and fall you know there's a, a workaround of how those are going to kind of come back. Um, I would say on the whole, I have conversations with the different projects I'm on like once or twice a week. Usually we'll have like a zoom meeting call. I'm getting very good at zoom meeting calls. I block my door now. So my dogs don't run in or my cat. Cause he's very loud. Um, but I, you know, it's just kind of that touching base thing with each other and checking in on everyone. Um, and it's really hard right now for casting, I think, to be able to make anything solid without knowing who's available. Um, because so many shows, so many features that were already in production are, are getting pushed until everyone kind of knows what that schedule looks like, which hopefully in the next month, we will have a better idea of, of when things are going to ramp up again. Um, it's really hard to, to talk about solidifying casting because we just don't know who's available. Um, so
3: yeah, no, continue.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of a quagmire, right? Like I don't really want to cast a movie four times. Um, but the good thing is, is that I'm able to watch a shit ton of stuff right now. And there's a couple of projects where we had maybe sent out a couple of offers and, you know, we were kind of stuck on thinking like, okay, who's our next person. And because I've had this time, it's been amazing to be able to find new, new, talent that I can suggest to my, my people. We can kind of explore that. Um, so I would say, you know, I'm just trying to say sane like everyone else to be honest.
3: Yeah. Um, what is, as, as far as you you talking to people in the industry. So I'm imagining, are you getting the same pitches from agents as you always have?
2: I'll be honest. No, I don't, I don't really feel like agents and managers are active as far as like calling me about people. Um, everyone's been pretty quiet and that is mostly because everything I had that was ramping up was going in May and June and November. So I feel like the conversations were just very early. Um, there's some covering agents that will reach out to me and just be like, Hey, how are you? You know, still love this project. What's going on? And the answer is usually, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the air to clear a little bit. Um, but it's It's honestly pretty quiet. It's pretty quiet. You would think like, you know, and this is the argument a lot of my producers and directors have is like people have time to read scripts now. Um, so there is an element of getting the script out to maybe a, an offer that we wouldn't normally start with because we have a little bit more time. But I don't know if they're actually reading it. So yes, the the theory is that everybody has time to read scripts and really be able to take in material right now, but I don't know if that's actually happening.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, you watch the news and, you know, obviously you have literally the president of the United States saying one thing and then you have Fauci right next to him saying entirely another, you know, another. Um, and I think that just adds the idea of confusion of where are we, where are we going, what's going to be like a month, two months, three months, four months. Um, and then you're hearing things like, oh, what we might be doing is we might be having like quarantine sets. Uh How many different points of view have you heard over this just from people like in the the industry?
2: Yeah, a couple of things that have been conversations that I've had. Number one, a lot of my features are smaller productions, like under $5 million. So the amount of people that are actually on set is a lot lower than maybe a studio uh, picture or a TV show. So the possibility of us actually getting to shoot something by the end of the year in the United States is is good. Um, the conversation I've had with, you know, productions that maybe shoot in Vancouver or across the US borders, I don't know what that looks like because I don't know, are we gonna be quarantine active? quarantining actors are you know our guest star is gonna have to go up for two weeks beforehand shoot their week and then stay two weeks to quarantine again like these are conversations that people really don't know the answers to yet um, but it's something to think of, to think about so I think smaller productions that maybe shoot in LA or Austin or um, kind of some of the other like India populated, film cities have a possibility of, of working. Um, But the the main overall thing that I've heard is everyone just doesn't really know, which is not helpful at
3: all. God, it really is. It just day to day. And yesterday I had a tough day. I just had a tough day. I woke up my child, uh, I, I really had to tough day because my child was having a tough day. Oh. Yeah, because he's just like, I just think it hit him. I think just there are certain days where it just
2: I hits us. Yeah. Or,
3: you know, and today we want a little bike ride. And he goes, isn't that funny that I haven't seen my friends? <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if I just ran into them one day? Um, and he's seven. And I think, you know, being alone is just, you know, we're, you know, most of us, most people – it's so fascinating. I find during this time, uh, you know, we're not able to connect. And most people who became actors, you know, that's one of the things that drew them to, to, to acting. It's like right. the community, the craving of connection, the, the telling stories. There, there, there is something about communing. Like right now, like being able to look at you right now, I feel is the one of the things that brings me sanity.
2: Oh, same, same. I mean, uh, this has set me back in therapy years because I'm an I'm an introvert naturally. So all of my, like, social anxiety is just, like, closing in on me now because I'm just like, well, can we just do a Zoom or can I just dial in? So it's going to take me also a lot to get back to, like, actually going out and having drinks, like, actually having a session in person. I mean, having a session in person, I don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. Um but the good thing is, is that everyone is so practiced on self-tapes that <laughs> yes. but, but I do think <laughs> we can adapt to that. What
3: I do think is interesting is I think that a lot of, I personally think a lot of actors may decide they don't want to act after all this. Because um, I think you might find people who... Look, I think all of this is about like, what's going to keep you sane during this? What keeps me sane is connecting with you guys, that like, connect with you. Like I, I'm still teaching a lot of classes and like, that's the one time where I seem to be, where I seem to know what the hell I'm doing.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I feel you. I totally feel you. Yeah. Because I mean, like
3: I, it makes it to you don't, you're not thinking about self. And when we're all held up. In our lives right now, I feel like we're doing a lot of thinking about self, you know, and then we get into a worry like, oh, God, what's it going to be like? And I'm sure there are a lot of actors listening who are wondering if they can pay the rent, you know, wondering, uh, you know, they're not worrying about paying for headshots. They're they're worrying about paying their utility bill and negotiating with landlords and all this crap that is, um, you know, it's just a lot. You know, I think that's the level of empathy I have you know, I mean, we're all in it. And you said something today, like no one's trying to keep up with the Joneses right now.
2: No. And, and part of that is it helps me because I know that, yes, there are some projects it seems like are like taking some self tapes or, you know, ramping up, I would say a little bit more, maybe once I have a little bit more money so they can kind of have those extra weeks for production on, on right now. Um, But a lot of people are getting laid off too. So even now, Um, and nobody is winning right now. Like we're all just trying to to like get through the day to day. I I really can't complain too much because I, you know, it's just me and my husband and our animals that I'm taking care of. And we live in Southern California. So I'm pretty thankful for all of those things, but it's basic necessities. I mean, when, when I went to the store and there was nothing on the shelves, it's like, I've watched way too many zombie apocalypse movies and Snowpiercer, do not watch while this is all happening. Don't watch any of that, because I had nightmares for days. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think just trying to, you know, stay mentally stable. For me, one thing that keeps me calm, and it kind of goes along with your point, is that I don't want to do anything else but be a casting director, so... Mm -hmm. No matter what, when this is all over, I will find a way to be needed, um, whether that's on the projects that I already was attached to or the ones that are going to come to me and having faith in that um, and not letting your ego go in at you and say, well, you were never meant to do it in the first place and all of that stuff, that that ugly stuff that we do to ourselves. Um, so, yeah.
3: I mean, it's, it's interesting to really look at all the people who are really challenged right now um, because it basically froze our life. In, you know, in time. So, you know, for those people who were who are living by themselves, you know, that's a challenge. Oh I, uh, I, yeah. A lot of people, I mean, that's I'm I'm married. I have a kid. Um, you know, I I have my family, and luckily, I'm also happily married. So that, you know, but I think for those people that have roommates that they don't get along with, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot oh, of, like there are people that have roommates that they don't get along with. There are people who are in relationships that they're not like, that are not in a great place. No, I know. There are so many different, uh, uh, stories that are happening right now that are, are, are really challenging for people.
2: Um, Yeah, I, there, there are some things I think about, like, especially if kids are in a bad situation in a home and they can't get out, like stuff like that is just heartbreaking. And, um, you know, again, that's why I can't really complain about what's going on. And, you know, I'm lucky that I do love what I do and hope that there will be stuff when it's all over, but it's unprecedented. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with at first. Um, nobody could tell us everything was going to be okay. It definitely wasn't our president, um, so, I mean, I I was like, I wish Tom Hanks would run, run for president because when he got coronavirus, his, like, one Instagram post that he put was, like, the most, like, satisfying and, like, giving me hope that I had felt at all from anyone since it all started. So, yeah, so fucked, right?
3: It is, yeah, it's very fucked. But to speak to it, I think, you know, 20 in class last night, um... We I assign people to write scenes for each other, honoring the, the quarantine, the, honoring Zoom.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. Yes, I mean, there's that. And, Let's figure it out, right?
3: And it was astounding to watch. There was so much generosity happening last night because, you know, Everett, the actor was writing for the other actor, and mm-hmm. then the, the actor who was being written for felt it was important to take care of the person who wrote the scene for them. So it was just such a reminder of generosity of why we get into it. Of course, the work was wonderful because it really had nothing to do with self.
2: I think you guys are lucky you have that as an outlet, too. Um, And that's not to be um, discounted that, John, everything you've done. I mean, I can't wait to see the J.R.S. film best based completely off of Zoom tapes. (laughs) I think you guys are really lucky um that you have that outlet to you know the couple of times I've done classes or like generals over this type of thing it started really weird and now it's getting less weird and I think it's just embracing that we all have to kind of like get on the roller coaster and change with it um if we want to stay you know connected and involved in what we're doing
3: um, I have a question. So, like you mm-hmm. were talking about, so you've been watching a lot of shows today. You were painting in a bikini.
2: I wasn't in a bikini. First of all,
3: in a bathing suit. You're right, babe. It's just hot. It's hot but outside. It's
2: hot outside, and when you're quarantined with your husband, because my husband fell and broke his shoulder basically in January, so oh, we wow. have been quarantined together since like January. And being a homeowner, I have fixed the toilet. Uh, we are painting the outside of the house. We painted the inside of the house. So. Yay. It's, it's just like doing all those things that literally when I'm done with all of this, I can't say, oh, man, I, wanna, I wish I would have changed that because okay. now you have, have no excuses.
3: I, I installed a bidet.
2: Good for you. I was going to get one. I was actually going to get one, but I haven't. Yet.
3: I was. I, well, it, yeah, it, I was very impressed because I'm not very good with anything like that. But I looked up on on, on YouTube. Uh, internet yeah and and it gave me the instructions and i find that if you and by the way i did fuck it up initially because i did not follow the instructions but once John. i followed them the water wasn't all over the floor exactly um, but, I, but i do have a question yeah you do um no just about holistically you know what we do to uh, get by um you know it's so funny i used to use um i love podcasts i love podcasts and i'd often take walks and right now i find that i'm on so much information overload Right. That my walks are now just walks with nothing. It's just breathing. I like walking a very long way. Um, because there's so much like now it's like even the news, like, yes, I still watch the news and doses. I try not to watch the stuff that I know I'm not going, that will just irritate me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not, I, uh, so all that information overload is not serving me like, I, I don't need to, to, to watch the, the daily briefings.
2: No, I know. You Not, know um, right.
3: Like, no, I don't need any ego fluffing right now. But I want to know, like, what are other things that you're, you're doing just to kind of stay sane and calm?
2: The weird thing is, is going back to my introvertedness and why I love my job, is that I actually really love television series and film. And so I am just absorbing everything that's anytime there's a new show that comes on, I'm watching it. Um, I've been watching documentaries, a shit ton of documentaries and just like on people I didn't really know a lot about. Um, I've been reading books. Um, honestly, like for me, I'm okay with like this type of scenario of like staying in and watching things and stuff. But at the beginning it was like everyone was doing yoga classes and they're like showing their fit bods. And I was like, Oh man, I'm not doing that. Am I doing something wrong? Am I going to come out of this? And I think that's the thing that once that clicked in my brain is like, it doesn't really matter what you're doing as long as you're, you're surviving in this. Um, so I mean, yeah, if you don't want to listen to a podcast, don't listen to a podcast, but maybe there's a band that you don't know about and
3: you know my actress t- told me about a band called the eels now right. I to the eels all the time
2: that's awesome I know that's
3: terrible that i didn't know who they were before but i
2: don't think i, I mean you know it's a little bit of a deep cut but it's cool it, the eels <laughs> are great um i you know i think just asking people like what are you listening to right now and trying stuff like that is super helpful another thing for me and I, again all of this may be just like human instinct 101 but like I've been talking to friends that I haven't talked to in like four or five years. Um, and just catching up with them. And that's always a a weird conversation. It's like, well, before all this happened, I had a successful hair salon. And now I don't know how I'm going to pay my employees. But the idea is that we're reconnecting. And I think that's kind of special
0: to
3: turn it a little bit to industry. Um,
2: yeah, you know there've no, been a lot of questions. I think
3: it's no. I mean, I think it's wonderful. You know, like NCIS did this thing, uh, you know, where they that open call submissions, and I was very thankful that they did that. Um, yes, did they get sixty to seventy thousand submissions? Yeah, they they did.
2: Yeah. But I
3: still, and it was really interesting. I think actors really. Uh, I saw a lot, a lot of actors really confront their process during that because I, I kept on watching actors try to find the perfect scene and try to get it right and more than just like find a story that you fucking love mm-hmm. and tell that story and be willing to break, break, break some rules right now. Because right. like, you know, when we're watching, you know, if they're going to be watching, first of all, are they going to watch sixty to 70,000 tapes? I have no idea. Uh, it seems rather, that'd be a challenging thing to do. Mm-hmm. But, one i think it's giving actors an opportunity to like act which is always a welcome thing and if you start to go like no one's going to watch you start to tell that story it seems like that's not that was not the intent they're not trying to say oh great i'm throwing i'm throwing another audition to a seat into a, a bottomless abyss they're saying here go do this you know what i mean i think yeah. it's like, a yeah, positive in that
2: i think you have to and i think that that is important for actors to know that like it's, you, you can't get the, um, what am I, you, it can't be what you get from the feedback or whatever. I always say to actors, if you're looking for feedback after an audition, you're not going to get it most likely. And if you do get it, that's a win. But your job is done when the tape is sent in or you walk out of the room, right? Like you can't really control anything after that. And that's the same thing. It's like, you can't really control whether or not they are going to watch all those tapes or cast people off of them. Be thankful that they actually, gave you a project to do that probably took your mind off of things for 24 hours. I don't know, you know, like, I do think there's something to like just accepting things for a little bit of the positivity and not overthinking it. Actors have a tendency to really overthink and get in their heads. I always say this, like when people send me Vimeo self tapes, um, it shows like how many times it's been viewed. And when I get a self tape, I'm downloading it immediately. And uploading it to another uh, server, usually like breakdown services, so that my team has one link they can see. And I always tell actors like, when they look and they're like, oh, no one even, no one even watched my video or whatever. I just talked to the earbud out because um, it says one. And I'm like, no, no, that's because I waited till the whole thing went to the end, so at least it showed that one person watched it. But really, my whole team is watching it because I'm downloading it and uploading it to somebody something else. So, like, my point is, like, you don't also don't know what anyone's process is, so you you can't control any of that. All you can do is just do your best work, um, and not think about all the other factors.
3: Yeah, I, I, you know, we, you know, I always talk about, uh, you know, you're talking about loving acting unconditionally. But that's not to say that if people are during this this um, during this pandemic, if you're not wanting to act right now, it doesn't mean you're not an actor. You know, I think we just have to remember that we're all allowed to experience everyone's you're going to experience what you're experiencing right now. You know, and there's a grieving process. Yes. If someone says that if you're not acting right now, you're not an actor. That's that's just wrong. And I think that's unnecessary shaming. But I do think it's, are you, eventually, I think you're going to want to come back to it. Because if it's something you love, it's the thing that is actually. It's
2: the thing that you're going to, yeah. There's nothing else you could want to do. I mean, even when I was an assistant and still working a restaurant job at night because assistants make no money, I still was going to work in casting. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter, like, all the other stuff. It's, like, whatever it is that you really want to do, that's just what you're going to do.
3: My son has quit dinosaurs three different times, but he always comes back. <laughs> always comes back. He's like, No, I'm onto Beyblades now. I'm onto Pokemon. But then he's like, fuck that. I'm back on dinosaurs.
2: Persistence. What's that? Persistence.
3: He's persistent. Dinosaurs get they get him, you know, or he gets them. I don't know. Which one is. Um, no, but I think that actually this is such a time to be a forgiving of yourself. Uh, for whatever you're experiencing, as long as you just make sense of it at the end of the day. I think as long it's not ruled by reactivity, you have to like process the way you're thinking, why am I doing it? You know? Um, But I do think there is that, of course there's going to be a grieving process, but at the end of the day, I know for me, um, you know, I'm still coaching every day and to pick up sides and to work through it. um, It's like, I get that bring that's always brought me joy to figure it out, to find the the life, to find the humanity in the scene. Right. I think there are times for actors, even when they're feeling resistant to it, there always is a sense of um, relief once they've actually just kind of surrendered to the moment. You know what I mean? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I gave in. I know. It's just like kind of like, you know, it's like going to the gym. It's like, you know, the first time you get on that freaking elliptical, you're like, I don't want to fucking do this. Right. And after a couple of minutes, you're like, I'm in. Thank God. I'm really glad I did this.
2: Yeah, of course. For me, public speaking like this. Anytime I have to have a, a, you know, a session where I have to talk to 50 people in a day, I'm terrified. But then once I'm in it, the third person in, I'm like, well, the first person, obviously, I'm giving everybody my all 110%. But you know, you just like get into that groove of it. But I do think it's just, it's just so important to just know that no matter how you're handling things, it's okay Um, for me, I'm just trying to think about all those times when I was working on a bajillion projects and like was working 7am till 9.30pm and didn't have any time to do anything for myself. And now it's like, oh, I could read that book or, you know, I could watch that video or whatever it is. It's like trying to remember those things so that you can enjoy it. Cause you know, hopefully some people are enjoying a little bit of a break from the insanity. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I think it's what we've been saying. It's, it's if you're having a bad day, have your bad day. It's just have yeah. perspective on it. You yeah, know? I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think if you're having a bad day, you've done something wrong. You know, speaking of yesterday, like it went through my system. I experienced it a lot. And now I woke up, I woke up feeling a lot better. Thank God.
2: Right, 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 right. You know,
3: um, you know next week we're having uh, Joe, Joe Manganiello on. I know you've known Joe forever. Um, And we're then, a week after that, an agent. We're just trying to get as many people, different types of people's experiences during all this. Because I I know that no matter who I talk to, whether it's casting director, agent, or series regular, or like a person that's on a show. Right. It's fucking tough. Mm -hmm. You know? And I know everyone knows that. But to witness it and to be able to ask questions of them, I think is really important. I just think it's, it puts... You know, one thing I said right when this was happening is all the people who had a lot of complaints about life in December, wouldn't you love to go back to that moment, to that complaint?
2: I mean, if you could, if you told, if, if anyone said this would ever happen, that everything would shut down, you would be like, you're full shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's so un- in- incomprehensible what is happening right now. So, you know, I don't really think there's any way anyone can. Candle but I think that's
3: it, it's the lack of comprehension. Yeah. My brain still struggles comprehending.
2: I mean, uh, think about, this is what I always think about too, is like pre 9-11 movies, right? Where the, the person gets to go up to the terminal and, and greet their their loved one as they walk off the plane and give them a hug. Like, now when we shoot a movie that takes place in a grocery store, there's going to be a big plastic barrier up. And, like, people wearing masks is not just, like, you know, in, in con- other countries anymore. It's going to be here. It's There's going to be so many different changes that that's just not even, that's just, like, survival mode. Not even, like, you know, thinking about, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean. No,
3: I, well, my, my brother is the one who actually dropped off my bidet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, he dropped off my bidet, Brian, is this a bad thing? Is this embarrassing conversation guys
2: no. keep going' keep going, keep going I want a toto, and totos to are to like so bidet. expensive, so By go on is,
3: I cried afterwards because um, I, I social distanced myself from him and, yeah
2: that's tough
3: um, and it was funny because my brother was going up to kind of hug me, and i 'm like i can't paul i can't but also here 's the thing for me. Um, for those of you who I don't, who don't know me, um, I live I, my, in my house. I live with my wife and my child. And I also, uh, my mother-in-law lives in uh, my back studio. She is 70 years old. And, um, I don't want to be responsible for her. getting yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah. And yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm realizing like, okay, uh, you know, I'm a healthy person, but no matter what, to know that she's, she's the one, one of the people I'm protecting. Um, it's like, that stops me from hugging my brother. And whether you have your loved one right in front of you, it's a lot. To it's be
2: weird. Like, yeah. yeah. It's so weird. I mean, my whole thing is like, and I, you know, over the years in casting, we've kind of stopped doing a handshake with actors, not because actors are gross, we love actors, but because of the jerk thing, right? And my whole thing is like, there's a movie, a Michael Keaton movie called My Life. I think it's from like 93. It's excellent if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, and he's hes basically, spoiler alert, he's got cancer, he's going to die. His He's leaving all of these videos for his unborn child. And the one that has stuck out to me since I saw this movie is he's teaching his son how to do a proper handshake. Like you go in from the top and you go in strong, you know? And so it's always like as a female in this business, I've always like gone in with my strong handshake because that's like the business thing you're supposed to do. And now it's like, I, you know, I, are, are we all wearing gloves? I don't know. Because there is that thing of like, there, when like when you are a familiar person, you like to hug people when you see them or, you know, whatever it is. And now is that like, is, I don't know. It's just weird to think about, but I need to find a clip of that little bit of Michael Keaton doing that handshake thing because I'm gonna have to rent the movie and like screenshot it myself because it's so fucking funny. It's such a good movie.
3: I'm sure there are people listening who are probably looking it up right now.
2: Oh my god, it's so good. It's so good.
3: That's a great movie. He's a you know, I'm so glad he's gotten his due again.
2: Yeah. I mean some people said,
3: my, with Michael Keaton, some people have still have still not seen the night shift.
2: Oh god. How no. a gung ho?
3: What's that?
2: Go no, it's so funny. He's, Very funny. I mean, that guy can do anything—clean and sober, whatever. Batman. We could go on and on and on. This is why I have a you know a passing director brain because I I know all of this rando shit about people's filmographies.
0: It's your. It is your. It is your job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey John, do you mind if I jump in for one second? I've been. I would love you to. Absolutely not. Awesome. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll I'll step aside then. Um, I've been just seeing a lot of the questions coming in. Yeah, let's do some questions. Well, I'm seeing in the chat that people, there's a lot of people who are really enjoying hearing to take the pressure off themselves, not feel like they have to do something. But at the same time, we're getting a lot of questions you know, actors have more time than ever right now. Usually we're working 17 different jobs and the idea of being able to market or or get in an extra self-tape seems like a dream. And so I think all these people have time on their hands right now and they want it to be useful. And so there's a lot of people asking right now, is this an appropriate time to try to create a working relationship? Is this an appropriate time to make a new connection with someone like yourself via a self-tape or something like that? Or is this the moment to be putting their energy somewhere else?
2: Um, I think everything is always going to have to be case by case. Sorry, I just jumped in to answer it, John. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, there's, I think there's people you've had relationships with in the past. Maybe they've cast you in something already. I think people you've, um, you know, casually or whatever. I think those are meaningful connections that maybe you could check in on and say like, Hey, yada, yada. I mean, When people actually remember that I was the casting director in a movie that you'd be surprised how many people just like completely forget that the casting director cast them and it's always the director or the producers that hired them for the job. So I think even just getting in touch with people that have hired you before. And say, like, hey, how are you? And like, I updated my reel. I get emails like that from people all the time. But I but my point is I think it's more meaningful when you already had some sort of connection, whether they called you back for a really big part in a movie and maybe you didn't get it, but you still had that, you know, like they they you were on their their radar. I think it's it's connecting with those people, not necessarily going through IMDb and just blind sending
3: out emails. I I think that, you know, sometimes when we have quiet moments like this, we're like, okay, so now's the time since I have the time for me to do be doing some of the stuff that I hadn't been doing. And I think what is, tell me what you think about this. I was like, whatever you're doing right now. I mean, it's what I say one thing during non pandemic times is this should not be the time where you rush to make it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, right exactly. Now, this is
3: not the time to be like, I got to come up with my podcast. I got to come up with the, I got to, I got, I got to write my film. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, but I think right now, if you are going to create, create something because not to get ahead, create something because it's actually a story you need to tell. You know, I think that right now, this is a time to really figure out what, what has been guiding you? What is driving, what honestly interests you? I think if this is the time to think, this is not, no, it's never the time to be going, what's going to appeal to the marketplace? Right. Now what's going to appeal to the agent or manager at this point? Now it's a really good time to take an inventory of really what do you care about?
2: Right. Right. And I mean, just to like, kind of go back to my point too, like every general I take with, whether it's an actor an agent, a manager, a producer, I have a spreadsheet of all those people. And so a lot of times what I do, especially at the end of the year, when I send out my holiday cards is like, who haven't I connected with in a while that I could like maybe get that conversation going because who knows if they're going to say like, oh, you know what? I've been meaning to reach out to you. We have this project. It was supposed to go in the fall. Now it may go at the first of the year, but it opens up those conversations. And so I think that's kind of things that you can do. Um, I think there, again, I think it's just really focusing on what's meaningful and not just like um spamming to spam. And maybe what's meaningful is to go through Lorraine Mayfield's entire IMDb and watch every goddamn brilliant piece of artwork that she's ever cast and know exactly that you need to be cast by Lorraine Mayfield. You know, the, that's homework that, that you can do on your own too, that I think is still working on your craft and working on your business, but not necessarily a desperate email saying, you know, check out my reel. I don't know just, just thoughts. I'm just trying to get up some thoughts here.
0: No, I think people really like having some idea of what would be met authentically and, and appreciated and what would be seen as a, as not the best use of their time or somehow, uh, inauthentic to the moment right now. So I think that that.
2: And by the way, if somebody sees one of my indies and emails me and says, I did a great job casting immediately, they're my favorite person of the day. So like th- there is something to be said for that. Like you know, people like to be complimented. So if you're watching something over the break, which all of us are watching stuff, and there's an actor in it, or a producer that you've followed their career, like, though, that might be a meaningful connection, it may be a blind reach out. But, you know, I think people want people to see their work. So um, especially in the the, the crowds I run in, um, the artsier, the crowds, the film festival crowds, where we are all very insular and everyone kind of knows each other, um, that when we are able to branch out and have people witness our stories that we're trying to tell, it really means a lot when people actually take the time to do that.
0: I think you're probably going to get a number of emails about specific movies right now. I'm seeing on the chat a couple go by. So definitely you have, some, you have some fans out there.
2: I'm not hard to find. I, I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the Instagram thingies. I mean, it's, you can find me. You can find me.
0: Um, another thing that I just keep seeing right now um, in the chat and the Q&A is, you know, there's, there's these documents that are starting to go around town right now about what opening up might look like and I'm wondering what your experience is kind of a a lot of people are wondering what your experience has been with those do those seem realistic to you do they seem like the near future or does it seem more like the beginning of a dialogue and discussion that's going to have to take a little bit longer to cohere
2: I I I feel like it's probably a lot of people that are, it's a lot of work that's above my pay grade that is going to decide a lot of that stuff. So really for me, it's just checking deadline alerts. Like Tyler Perry yesterday said that he wants to get his studio back and running and paying attention to like, like maybe he's going to be the test subject for getting shows up and running again. So just kind of paying attention to that. Um, if you don't get deadline alerts, I'm not trying to be, you know, like say Deadline is the greatest gospel in the world, but it's a way to stay connected with what's going on in the business. So um, I think just, you know, kind of doing your own research on, on those things. But from what I hear, it's just, it really just depends on when and how many people can be in the same space together. Um, and what does that mean for intimacy scenes also? Um, so, you know, are we going to have writers now with every contract that says what you've tested as far as coronavirus? I don't know what the answers to all of those are, but I think everyone is trying to figure it out as fast as they can.
0: So if you were going to, uh, to the people who are asking, okay, so what could we do now? That's the best we're, we're we're talking about how to, you know, practice self-care and to tell stories that really matter to you. Um, but would this also be the moment to make sure that you can have like a really good self tape or that you know how to audition over Zoom? Is that is that maybe the most practical use of our time? Is it to make sure our actors access like looks really good? Yes. You know, looking for yes. Of, like what can I spend my time doing besides wondering how John's Bidet is going?
2: Yeah, I mean, Wix is a wonderful, easy to use website facilitator. Get your, you know, make sure your presence is all cleaned up. Make sure if there's things you were on that aren't on, or you were in that aren't on IMDb, make sure you're updating all of that. All that business work, why not? Why wouldn't you be up on top of that? Um, A lot of people ask about reels. um, And so this is just like a general thing, not necessarily a pandemic comment. Um, But if you're working on your reel, I don't need to see two minutes of stuff I've never seen before, student films you were in. Some people just graduated college. I totally get it. I would just like to see maybe like the couple of scenes you've done that are recognizable and really well shot. If you don't have any of those, I would much rather see a really good self-tape of a role you're super, super right for.
0: I mean that's some really good practical advice, right my, there. My
2: my attention span is about twelve seconds. So what I'm thinking about when I'm looking at reels is what do they look like walking and talking? Um, if they have they been cast on a show, even if it's just a co star role, were they in the scene with you know Ed O'Neill from Modern Family? Things like that just gives me insight that you can ho- you can be professional on set, and that you can show up and do your job against a seasoned actor, and the scene actually stays in the in the picture. <laughs> it's like it's really that simple sometimes because I am casting a lot of people for their first or second or third job. And so I can't really expect you to have these huge resumes and and you know everything on your reel be something that's opposite John Goodman. Um, so it's being specific about that, that I think is super important.
0: That's really helpful, I like that. Um, John, do you have any thoughts on what people should be doing right now? Any any opinions you wanna throw in? I mean, I, I think what Amy
3: said about uh, a self-tape, um, I think often, uh, you know, actors get in such a, you know, they want to they make, they want to do a scene. But the problem is when you make a really good scene, uh, the focus should be on the scene and not necessarily on the actor, meaning that it's about, like, creating environment. It's about the edits. Like, when you watch, uh, the thing about a self-tape, it's about you. We're watching you moment to moment. But often in scene work, the thing that will make it good sometimes is a cutaway to uh, right right. Car. It's driving by right. and that sometimes makes the, when people go to those places to have scenes made for them, sometimes the reason the scene's not always good is because they're not allowing for the cutaways. You know what I mean?
2: Making it. Yeah. Like what's enjoyable about the scene that you're watching and, and suspending disbelief in. Yeah, exactly. Right.
3: So, um, you know, and I always say like, you know, even when you watch like, uh, you know, if you look at the Oscars, you know, you notice how sometimes uh, they'll show a clip from an Oscar winning movie and the actor looks like they're pushing. They're not, but like Viola Davis, like a goddess of an actress right, but when right, right. Her in the middle of snot coming down, yeah. building up to that moment in the movie you watch and you're like, you're a genius. But like, yeah. away, you're like, why, why, why are you but what
2: is happening why why, why, I, why I, is that so dramatic so exactly. dramatic yeah movies yeah, like, yeah,
3: yeah. typically play a little bit better regarding the, the scene work so sometimes when I watch like someone shoot something that 's like this heavy drama where we don 't know anything about you we don 't know anything about your given circumstances, it doesn 't play as well, do you know because we have to immediately mm-hmm. understand what 's happening yeah. the time starting so I think exactly. it's
2: very important to
3: at least have that uh, someone 's got to really understand. Uh, how the audience is going to be experiencing that scene,
2: yeah,
0: yeah
3: Ryan was that good
0: That's great, I love it um, we're also getting questions on the flip side, um, which is if i 'm not in a place to act right now if i if i don't have that in me or or I 'm doing a ton of it already. What are some places that you two are finding inspiration? Obviously, we're hearing Michael Keaton movies, and I could watch those all day.
2: I need to rewatch it, but uh, yes, everyone should watch *My Life*. Yeah, God,
0: it was it, that movie scarred me as a child. That was yeah, so upsetting. So I was like,
2: God, get I was like
0: your tissues. Seven ready. or eight, and um, I was I was really upset by that. But I want to revisit. But what other stuff are you guys doing to when you do have that bad day? What gets you through when you? What is your, uh, you know, break glass in case of emergency. Uh, I need to help my soul kind of go to for you guys.
2: Mine is so lowbrow because I'm a Bravo-holic. So anything that's on Bravo reality-wise is like my zen, especially now. Real Housewives of New York, I am dying. It's so amazing. You guys, you guys get into it. It's Tennessee Williams. It is the best writing for women over 40 that exists on television right now. Anyhow. um,
3: I fell in love with the show Dave. Dave. That brings me Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. The little Dickie show.
3: The Little Dicky Show. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. Um, oh yeah, And, going, and going back, and I've I've watched some West Wing just to enjoy the heck out of it.
0: See what an um, inspirational leader and prepared administration looks like. What's that? To see what a prepared administration who has the right thing to say at the right time would look like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
2: cannot do Aaron Sorkin, guys. I know we don't want to turn this into anything like too too political, but oh, I was trying to watch Molly's Game the other day. Could not get it not do it i see why you guys want to act it but oh it's hard to watch
0: um let's see what else we have here um you know we have a lot of questions here about there's questions that are very practical that i think in a normal time we'd really want to get into about like drop-offs and 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 you know how often are people going to come from out of state for roles but i think right now that a lot of those things are kind of big unknowns right it's uh I think probably the world has to tell us what that's going to look like before you...
2: I wouldn't get too twisted about it, especially, you know, again, it's really hot in my room. That's why I keep touching my hair. Um, A a lot of the features I work on, they go for the state, they work in the state that will give them the best tax incentive. So a lot of projects are already gonna be flying people in. So like, I wouldn't really get too twisted about that um, because I think it's just gonna be, we're all gonna be figuring out, but I don't think that, you know, if you have to go and stay somewhere because you need to like get out of LA, can't do your rent anymore or whatever, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be a deal breaker anymore. I think cell tapes. I think, you know, people can kind of like, they'll if, if you're shooting, I shot a movie in Oklahoma last summer and like we flew in 75% of the cast. So I, I wouldn't get too twisted about that.
0: Yeah, here's a question that I think would, probably work just as well during normal times It's related to all that. This is from Jeff Friedman who says, does local hire mean the same thing to everyone? Do you think uh, qualifying as a local becomes more and more necessary to a career?
2: I think you should be a true local hire, Uh, whether it is you are from Atlanta and so your entire family is in Atlanta and you consider yourself you know, a local there when you're there. Um, but you're also based in Los Angeles. I do not think a local hire is, um, I have a lot of frequent flyer miles so I can fly anywhere because I don't, do not think that you as an actor should have to pay your way to act. Um, you shouldn't be using your day rate to pay for a hotel. I just think there's just so much, so many things wrong with that. And the more that people do that and allow productions to, to be cheap like that, um, it only hurts everybody. So, um, you should be a true local hire.
0: I think that's a really good answer. Thank you. Um, one more that's right here. And, uh, if anyone else has any questions, I'm trying to get to all of them, but throw them in the Q and a, cause it, it really helps. Can
3: I say one thing you said about oh, how please. are we getting by? I don't know. I think, uh, uh, it is also check please check in on your friends. I just noticed like I, Brian, you're in my job is so much about checking in with our actors every day and, um, and of being of you know, being of service certainly does uh, it does soothe the soul. So I think for those of us when we feel so stuck in our own stuff as we and which all understandable stuff. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes I like to just like late at night, not too late, but I just go through my um, I go through my phone and I just start texting friends.
2: Totally, yeah.
3: Doing, and I think that it just creates a line of communication, and I, I and I think and I need it because I think you know when we're alone in our homes all day, there are so many like you know I have a lot of friends with kids who are overwhelmed. You know, when you've got two or three kids and you're homeschooling and trying to work, you know, and there's so much stress, uh, everyone Mm -hmm. needs a friend. Sometimes it's not even, it's just hearing, I just am thinking about you. Yeah. Just feel really nice.
2: A a girlfriend of mine, she, this is a way to help the postal service as well. She um, made these cute little collage postcards. It's in, on the refrigerator Also, I would show you guys. And she just made cute little art. Postcards, and she's been mailing that those out to friends and i thought that was such a cute clever way to a support the postal service and also just to like you know we're, we're all at home so to get a piece of mail that isn't a bill is is really special um so that's another thing people could maybe think about doing too yeah,
3: yeah. and if you instacart please tip
0: yes
2: yeah, please.
3: yes
0: yes a friend of mine i hadn't Spoken to it a couple of years, sent what was initially an anonymous card to me, and it was just a one sentence compliment. And I'll tell you, it it like rocked my day in the best way. Of just who took their time to do that? It was such a it's that beautiful random act of kindness that uh, Sean Aker talks about in his podcast is one of those things that tends to uh, up serotonin and, and create more happiness for people. Um, we have a question that we've gotten a couple times here, which is. How long do you tend to watch a self-tape before you move on? I feel like that's one of the great actor questions that were terrified of the answer but we also desperately want to know.
2: Yeah. Like I said, my attention spans about 12 seconds to be very honest with you. So if I don't see it in the first scene, I'll skip to the second one and I'm pretty quick with it. Um, It doesn't mean that I'm not absorbing it, but it also doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to cast you off of your reel. So it's, it's really just making the decision of should I send them a self tape request or have them come in in person or not? Um, Because, With having self-tapes, it also gives me as a casting director who doesn't have a lot of budget a lot of times to have the luxury of having sessions every single day for three months. um, For me to have a day where I just view self-tapes, I can see 100 people and I can take a lot more chances on those people than if I was having them all come in for a session in a studio that I was paying for. Um, because then people will want to reschedule. They won't show up. They'll cut, they won't come prepared. At least I, I can get a day of self tapes in. I can get some quality out of the quantity. Um, so I, again, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about like, you don't have a great reel or you do have a great reel. It's, it's really just like, what, what showcases you the best in the quickest amount of time? And also shows that if you have been hired on a bigger production that you actually acted opposite an actor, I would recognize.
3: Um, can I, can I bring up a question that someone wrote? I, I Brian's okay that I looked at it. I cheated. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, no, I do if think you're... the actors, when they're asking like a, a, a woman, Brittany Ebert, uh, you know, she's, I struggle with doing everything for my business and for, and to be more ready and on it when we come back and the being a normal person do normal things such, uh, do things uh, such as yourself. Like what is, she's basically asking what's too much and not doing enough living. Um, I think that's it, is that people, I think people are very hard on themselves. Like, am I doing enough for my business? And I have to say, uh, I get it because, and Brian, you and I both get it as people, like, you know, I was an actor for a very long time And Matt Damon was asked on Sam Jones, uh, you know, Matt Damon always says, I work, you know, I work really hard. And Sam Jones was like, what does that mean? And that's a hard question. Like, oh, and and Matt Damon said something like, oh, you mean what do I do in the waiting? Like when I'm waiting between things. He's like, oh, that's hard. So Matt Damon had no answer other than each of us has to fucking figure it out.
2: Yeah, you know, 100%. I mean, yeah, no right
3: answer. You've got to figure out that's why that's what makes this career so hard. Your career is really determined by how you exist in the waiting, and how you can make it not an unhealthy experience
2: and also not reek of desperation because yes. we can pick up on the eagerness and the you know, the too much of it all. All I need you to do is just, you know embody the character that I'm looking to cast. I don't need the whole song and pony thing. So I think just being okay with like, you've put it out there to get your work out there. You don't necessarily need to be spamming everybody.
3: No, I think the most important thing is, it, it you know, we, you know, at, at, at the studio, you know, we have a uh, JRS, we have actor Salon, and Actors Salon is really about like the business side of things. And I think it is really, I, I find that the people who, um, are able to live kind of a happier uh, life existing within the two is that they turn, they, they, they make both the source of creativity. You know, they get rather mm. uh, than feeling like they, they've got to clock in and do work that they don't like doing.
2: Right. And you know? who wants to go to a party where you're asked, what are you up to? And that person answers with the 12 projects they're working on. Like I found myself early when I was hustling my ass off, like, I didn't have anything else to talk about. And that really hurt my heart. And I was like, why am I not playing tennis? Why am I not riding horses? Why am I not doing the things that I actually like to do? And being able to talk about that stuff when I'm at a party or whatever. Um, I think it's keeping it that balance is super, super important.
0: Um, Brown, what else you got? we got a few more. Um, I want to throw, because we're nearing the end of this. So uh, I
2: see two things I want to say really, really geez. quickly. Oh, yeah. Best way that you can keep in touch with me is either Amy Renee Casting on Facebook or Instagram or amy at amyrenee.com if it's something you really think I need to respond to. Um, the other thing is, do I think, um, remote auditioning is going to change. Yes, I think that everyone should really invest in their ring, their you know, their light cam, their backdrop their camera, all of that stuff, because it, this is going to change the way people do in-person castings, especially if you're not on a big network show. So those are ones I just keep seeing at all. No, that's
0: great. Thank you. Um, yeah, any of them that you want to respond to, just to catch your eye, please. Um, one that did just catch my eyes, how many submissions do you get for a role? Is it in the hundreds? Is it in the thousands?
2: Thousands. Yeah, thousands. How do you
0: possibly handle all that?
2: I'm a magical unicorn. No, um, that was the background you had earlier. It, ooh, I should put that on since we're almost done. John, you're gonna like it.
3: Yeah, it's a spirit. I love that.
2: Okay, so you. You have to, like, my job is, like, when I'm sifting through all that stuff, A, I'm not only just sifting through the breakdown, I'm also sifting through agents and managers. Agents and manager relationships, for me, are my coworkers. So I trust who they're pitching to me if I know their taste, and they know my taste, which is usually very indie, very um, unique, very individual, very natural acting. Um, So I'm I'm kind of pulling from all of those sources. But at the end of the day, when I'm going through those – 1,200, 2,000 submissions on breakdown, it's like, do you look like the person I need you to play? That's the number one thing that gets me to sort through the first batch of everybody.
0: I mean, that's a pretty clear stand, and that must go with the 12 seconds that you're talking about when you're watching the tape is like, does this, does this, Yeah, match?
2: I go, I <laughs> do my yeah. first round is all headshots. Like just looking through or people I know it might remind me of somebody I haven't seen in a while. I'm like, Oh shit, they'd be really good for this. So I'm going through your headshots and then I'm going through your resume and I'm looking at what have you done? If, if the project is like, there's a feature I cast last year, two years ago that played itself by, and Sundance called Greener Grass, and it's fucking off the wall, crazy, bonkers, not based in any sort of reality. So I really need people that had strong comedy chops. So I'm looking: Are you? Have you done UCB? Are you in Groundlings? Like I'm looking at those little things. And then I'm at the, the third round through. I'm looking at your reel.
0: Fantastic. You know, we actually, uh, Olabisi wrote, how did you get involved with Greener Graph? What was the casting process like? And uh, then uh, throughout that they enjoyed the shit out of it. So uh, you got a fan there on Greener um, Graph. How did that project come about?
2: So this is a good lesson for everybody. Those the directors of, of Greener Grass. I worked with them on shorts before they did this feature. So we had built a relationship based on me casting two of their shorts. They're very off the wall, just in... Across their, the board on their work. And then when they got the feature to be able to do Greener Grass, they hired me on that. So it's all about relationships. And no project is too small for me ever. I will never say I would never do a movie for $500,000 or $50 million. It doesn't really matter. It's always about who the people are are they cool? do they have a specific voice um, and does do, do i respond to the material and those girls are just like so dear to my heart they're super rad they just have a super original voice that i want to cast everything they do forever and ever
0: i mean the chat seems to be kind of lighting up with some of that people really do love them so that's
2: it's a weird movie it's very polarizing i've had people that are like good friends of mine be like i hated that movie why would why was that movie ever made and i'm like noted thanks guys thanks <laughs>
3: People uh, and asked something I thought was interesting. Uh, my answer has been yes. That does casting. Uh, is there more forgiveness in self tapes? Because yes. You know, yes, yeah, there is. Um, I've been doing a lot of self tapes. It's been an interesting thing where you're, you know, they put, they put me up next to the camera and um, you just got
2: to make it, you just make it work. I mean, and also so many times when I'm doing a feature, um, we're looking for the leads. People are based in New York. They're based in Atlanta. So half of my session when I actually have my director in person is Skype or Zoom or whatever medium we're using. So even before all of this, that was still incorporated because we want to find the best actor for the part. And also one thing I do want to say about, you know, how, d- how deep I dig and how many people were submitted for things. It also depends on how hard it is to find the role. How specific is the role? If it's if it's a pretty bi- generic role, it's you know, I'm not I'm maybe not gonna go down as deep as if it's like something super specific. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um we had a couple of questions about union versus non-union. And I know that again, things are weird right now. So with that caveat being said, um, Ryan asks, I'm SAG eligible and I'm thinking about taking the plunge. I feel like staying non-union isn't helping me get into the rooms I really want to. Um, Does union status sway if you get a look or not?
2: Um, for me, it depends on how bad I'm looking for the role. But to be honest with you, a lot of the indies I work on, I just really want people that want to be there that are right for the role. Um, it may not be the lead of the movie, but it may get you your union card. And I don't think anyone should be without health insurance right now. So I think being in the union is very important. Um, I know that that changes a little bit when you're talking about commercial acting and I don't cast commercials, but from what I hear, it's a little shitty when it comes to a lot of projects going non union and a lot of actors I know make their day to day by doing that. So I think it's a personal choice, but I think if you're an actor and there is a union for actors that you want to be a part of, there's actually an award that's given to actors by that union, the SAG Awards, you should strive to be in the union of that practice.
0: I think that's a pretty thorough answer. I like that. Um, Another self-tape question. How do you feel about self-tapes that weren't requested? Um, If our reps say specifically, we think this would be great for you, it wasn't requested, but you should do it.
2: It it depends on my relationship with the reps. Again, if it's somebody I know their taste and they know my taste and they're just like, no, this person is super right, I will of course indulge because I always wanna be proven wrong. but if it's an actor just submitting a self-tape to a casting director, I would say absolutely not. We just don't have time to funnel through that. It's also kind of like insulting. Like I know your job better than you. And you haven't been in on the conversations with the producers that have talked about what they need specifically for each role. So a lot of it needs to be trusting. And like even if on the breakdown um, Cast description, you're like, I'm fucking that role. I'm so perfect for that. You don't know all the conversations we've had. So you may not be perfect for that role, believe it or not. But we still love you.
0: Um, Just to throw it out there, uh, Mark Schroeder found the My Life scene and the entire movie um, on Crackle. And it turns out. Oh, good is at uh, an hour and 19 minutes. So that's where it is if anyone wants to find out. Oh my out. god,
2: watch the movie, don't Mike you? Michael
0: Keaton to teach you a handshake. That's how you it do it.
2: He also teaches you how to make pasta. It's super cute.
0: I want Michael Keaton to teach me how to make pasta. That sounds great. Um, we're nearing the end. John, are there any questions that you feel like you've been holding on to that you haven't asked yet? This has been great, by the way, Amy. Thank you so much for
2: Of course. Yeah, of course. My pleasure.
0: Um, no, I
3: feel like we've asked a lot. Um, this is our first one. So, you know, it's uh, just Well, maybe
2: of- you'll have me back for like the John Rosenfeld All Stars Zoom edition. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm all for a reality competition. So just well, like, I sign that, me up. You
3: know, we are, we have, uh, Amy, we are um, canceling obviously the traditional f- film festival this year. Uh, I know. I know, but I'm not, you I'm not canceling it and getting rid of it. I think we're going to turn it in, We're going to make it a online or some, maybe it'll be at a bar. Who knows if we're able to be out there or at some venue, okay. uh, but I think, uh, you know, it is, I'm, I'm certainly encouraging people who want to, to, to make those quarantine based films. I think that there's I uh, you know, as I said, people wrote those scenes. We saw some really great scenes that, um, where they're really honoring the obstacles that exist for today. So, yeah. um, uh, Perhaps you can be a judge on that one this year.
2: I will judge anything you want me to judge.
0: <laughs> I think we're going to find a place for the content that people make. And if anybody does make a short film that they were hoping to be in the festival this year... The, the time period of what we're going to accept for the next year will get wider. I mean, people will get it. If you're making work, we're excited to see it at some point. We're going to find a way for it. Um, we can also tease what we're doing kind of instead of the film festival. Um, yeah. Patrick Cavanaugh is going to uh, sometime come on and tell a little bit more, but we're actually going to start asking you guys to send in short film scripts or pilots that you've written. And we're going to get um, teachers at the studio and some clients to do readings of these. And do them over Zoom as a way to get to actually hear them out loud and, and maybe develop some of these scripts and do some feedback. And hopefully those are the scripts that you, Amy, are taking a look at, you know, maybe six months later or a year and uh, seeing the final product. But that's going to be a fun thing that we're excited to to launch pretty soon.
3: Yeah. And awesome. we're And we're going to be doing this every week. And uh, I loved having – you you were an amazing first guest because – uh, I know you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know you're um, comfortable. I, I know I, I, you and I have such a long history together.
2: We really do. And I, you know, I just adore you and Gabs and The Little. So you guys do such amazing work. Just remember, be creative, take advantage of this time. But if that means just binge watching for like three straight days, RuPaul's Drag Race, that is what you need right now, so nobody should get it twisted
3: um and thank you everybody who attended uh
2: yeah, thanks for watching peeps
3: yeah, Brian, anything else
0: um I'm just that hour kind of flew by um yeah, thank you guys so much for for being a part of this um and for kind of bringing community together, just seeing that there's like over a hundred people sharing something is. <laughs> kind of revitalizing. I know we're still far apart and not as close as we want to be, but it feels nice to be a part of something um, bigger. And I'm glad, John, you already said that we're going to be doing this next week uh, with Joe. I think that's going to be really exciting. And um, just if anybody is curious to learn more about the studio, you can always find out more um, at johnrosenfeld.com. And uh, there's our uh, studio sponsored podcast industry town on iTunes and Spotify. If you like things like this. Um yeah, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you so much Amy. Let's give you a Okay, big, guys. Uh applause. I can see everyone kind of showing up there. Uh, Thanks
2: guys. So good to talk to you. So talk good. more soon. Yes. <clears throat>
0: okay that wraps up today's two-part episode thank you to leah thank you to john thank you to amy renee and thank you to you for listening please consider donating to feed the Frontline, los angeles and take a look in the show notes to register for our next jrs happy hour conversation Uh, if you're enjoying the show please follow us on social media at industry town podcast on instagram and facebook and please consider giving the show a review on itunes and spotify honestly every one of those helps and warms my heart Uh, Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week.